phantasm, the delusion of a disordered mind, a phantom, a spirit, a ghost. Don't debate with me, Carl! Just come here and die while you still have the option of doing it quickly! You think that when you die, you do it. You come to us now. Three innocent people are about to discover the ultimate evil. So this is the very first, uh, what do you call, like live production of this podcast, and we're in like weird positions in different places. Uh, we so, growing pains, growing yeah, pains. absolutely. So that's the first time we've ever actually listened to the intro before we ever before we talked on the <laughs> podcast. So you know, it was cool. Give me an opportunity to rub my clitoris. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have one of those. That's weird. Why would I say that? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So welcome to the uh, October 16th slash 17th edition of the uh, Mongolian Grill. Um, today we're going to talk about, I'm sorry, the Nerd Words podcast. Um, today we're going to talk about exploitation films, but more specifically like Halloween themed, or not even Halloween themed, but Halloween appropriate, what you call uh, movies. They meet the bar, or should meet the bar. Yeah, we're not going to go through like the whole list the whole subgenre of like uh you know b movies and exploitation films just like the horror <clears throat> excuse me the horror uh the more horror appropriate ones um you know we could talk about the cannibal films the canadian exploitation films like shit like that and uh so we're gonna you know if this if this is a kind of a stumbling not so great podcast bear with us because we're going to try something new and do everything kind of in real time, in the live, in the rough. Because um, <laughs> to give you, the listener, uh, some information about the the process here, uh, when we first started recording this up until the last episode, uh, basically we were doing any, everything kind of like without headphones. Um, most of the stuff that you would hear that wasn't... Um, us talking would be added in post-production, but we've kind of evolved and set up different things and moved things around. And so now we're going to try to do everything, uh, you know, during the podcast itself. So, you know, if we play like a trailer or something, we'll actually right. be able to hear it. We were doing everything without headphones. We couldn't actually hear ourselves and I'd have to go in and kind of adjust in post-production, I guess you could say, <laughs> uh, the sound of everything. Um, but now, you know, we're going to try to do it a little bit differently and see what we get and see how it sounds and, you know, kind of move on from there, uh, a more professional manner of doing things one could say. So what's good, Bob? What's new? Nothing. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> like to say that I'm not good for conversation anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just excited to talk about the topic. Honestly, I think there's a lot of good stuff that, uh, you dug around mine in. So right. get to it. So the first movie, the first subgenre in the in, in on my list, 
in an alphabetical, no particular, but alphabetical order, um, are the cannibal films. So cannibal films are like the, uh, like cannibal Holocaust from 1980. Uh, we've briefly mentioned that movie. And then you have a bunch of other ones like cannibal Ferox eaten alive. And these movies are typified by cannibals. Typically, typically it's like you go out into the jungle (laughs) and you find an ancient tribe of cannibals and they eat you. Yeah. So cannibal has to be some, uh, someone of a species eats another species. Yeah. Another species member. Eats the same species. Right, yes. same species. Got One has to eat the other. It's kind of like, you know, like incest, but you eat them. You know, it's sort of like that. You know, it's bad for the same reason and not as filling. Yeah. Consequently. I don't know why I threw that up. Those are kind of weird to put side by side when I think about that, but to hear it out loud. Um, I don't know. Have we ever played the Cannibal Holocaust trailer on here? I'm going to play it real quick just to see how it sounds. Oh, so, oh go so for So bear, bear with us. Um, you know, if this sounds like crap, I'll just cut it out and it'll be mysterious and you won't even know I said anything because that's what editing does. But otherwise, here's the the trailer, the uh, minute and 43 trailer from Cannibal Holocaust in 1980. And uh, this should queue up here in a momento if the link would work. And it does. Um, so yeah, it'll be just a second while we, I don't, I don't actually have it on my computer, so we have to talk through the 10 second ad that's in front of it on, well, I figured, on YouTube, I which is, yeah, which is silly. You still have the film on your computer. Oh, I, I actually do have the film. I just don't want to play the film. I wanted to play the, no, the, we the, the, yeah, so you have, you have, uh, natives running through the woods while their, their cottages burn. Oh, good Lord. It's... It's unbelievable. It's... It's horrible. The, Annette pretty much describes the movie. The reason for such cruelty. It must have something to do with some obscure it's sexual writer. soundtrack. That song. With the almost respect these primitives have for virginity. A Ruggero Diotato film. Like to me, the music is, is horrific. Yeah, yeah. The the music there's there's something that plays like that music just sort of plays against the backdrop of what you end up seeing in this film, which in 1980 in Italy they didn't really have I don't know the level of responsibility of filmmaking that they do now. They treat it as like make it a film better to rest in peace in the warm body of a friend than in the cold ground so for those of you who are unfamiliar with this movie in particular and maybe the subgenre as a whole and and why this is an exploitation film um the reason why it's an exploitation film is pretty simple it is taking basically like the lowest common denominator of uh you know violence and um shock and just presenting it for you on film um from what i understand about this movie this movie was banned in italy the country of origin of the filmmaker because they the um, the italian government did not believe that the things that you saw in that movie could be done with movie magic, movie special effects. Right, and it's and it's hard to think that it would be. I mean, like I said, when uh, when I heard about the film, it was just rumor. 
Like, it didn't exist. Like, someone told me about a film called Cannibal Holocaust. And just think about that name. I couldn't believe a film would name itself that. Right. Because I thought the whole point of a film would be to get people to see it. <laughs> and to watch something called Cannibal Holocaust. And then I thought, it's probably one of those shitty 70s quality casting where they went and decided a po- post-apocalyptic Earth. And here it is, Zach Brannigan. You know, or whatever. So the main character is this buff dude running around beating up people. Right. In, in hobo clothes and calling them cannibals. And I was wrong. In fact, I can remember sitting here with you years ago, years ago, over 10 years ago. Yeah. And, and you were like, hey, Bob, you're a fan of horror films? Like, yeah, have you watched Cannibal Holocaust? Yeah. And, and you said it, what I like to call, with the Nate Mischief yeah. foot. It was like, huh? Well, I'm just going to put this on then, and we'll see what happens. Well, to give you a little background here, as far as I'm concerned about this movie and, and other movies like it, because we're going to, I, I want to watch this Cannibal Ferox or Pharaoh or however it's pronounced. I have never seen that movie, but th- it's a traditional cannibal film. To give you a little background about my movie taste, like I, I, when I was a kid, I wasn't really into horror movies. Like horror movies weren't really something I was allowed to watch. I, I was totally allowed to watch action movies and like violence was cool to watch uh something about that 80s mentality but violence when it was exaggerated like terminator movies totally cool with you know like guns and stuff like that arnold schwarzenegger sylvester stallone films like we've talked about this you know ad nauseum right uh, on the podcast and we'll probably talk about it more because that's that type of subject but Horror films were not really something up until I was probably about 12 or 13 years old. That's kind of like when my parents were like, all right, all sensibilities aside, your hobbies, you know, music for me was huge when I was a kid. I was into heavy metal when I was, you know, nine, 10 years old. And the stuff that adorns these types of clothing, it's, it's, it's all based in horror. It's all skulls and blood and, you know, and I, I wasn't, you know, like I was into, you know, pretty extreme music at a very young age. And I think it got to the point where my parents were just like, man, whatever. We watch a horror movie, you can watch a horror movie. But even my parents were never really super big into horror movies. So I kind of like explored that myself, right. you know, and, you know, got into, you know, all the the slasher films, the, 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 in, in the seventies and eighties, horror movies really stopped being like movies that were made by uh big, uh, film studios right you know they they turned into b movies exploitation films uh, and stuff like that because big studios uh, typically were not funding you know horror movies it, it just wasn't something that was was kind of done anymore a horror movie has to be cult based yeah it has to because you know it's not it's not like an action film where anybody can get behind an action film. right they're they're niche it, you're okay for that or that think of targeting an audience you can you were nine or ten, and your parents are cool with you watching an action film. Yep. that's anything's legal to watch, basically, if your parents allow you to do yep. it at that Absolutely. point. But what I'm saying is, is that it wouldn't be acceptable to hear that at nine or ten, your parents had you watching *Cannibal Holocaust*. Yeah, no, for instance, no, right? <laughs> I don't know that it would be acceptable as an adult. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Well, but I mean, that's the studio mentality. Right, so right. they were like, "Well, we're not gonna right. make anything." You're, in *Nightmare on Elm Street* was in the theater. Yeah. Right, yeah. and they had it up there, and it was successful. Friday yeah. the Thirteenth was successful. Yeah. Right, The Exorcist was hugely successful. Right, but you had to meet that caliber of here's something that's not as scary. Right, but is still horror, you know, horror I, based. I can't really think of anything that was as big as The Exorcist in the seventies. Like I know, um, just from my recent 
explorations. What was it, the Omen? Uh, I don't think the Omen ever came near to as uh, making as much money as the as the Exorcist did. Mm-hmm. Now I know the Exorcist came out in '75, and it made like 250 million dollars the box office, okay, maybe not. which was huge in <laughs> okay. 1975. And then Jaws was another one that came out like right around the same time, and that one made in excess of 200 million dollars in the box office. And then Star Wars was like the big one. Star Wars at the end of the 70s, that was like a half a billion dollar, $500 million uh, movie. And, you know, those are all kind of like genre films, sci-fi, horror, stuff like that. But I think, uh, pardon me while I adjust my microphone, I don't, god damn it. Sorry. Yeah, it was nowhere near that. Is, uh, the success of The Exorcist. Yeah, I mean, it's... It was, it's, it was 16.9, but it was also there. Uh, you know, they're in the seventies, right? The seventies. The hell happened with my? Sorry, I'm I'm having some microphone difficulties. Okay, that's fine. Anyways, um, but really, like after that, uh, and even before that, but like after that, you know, the the grindhouse films. Um, these are typically what we would consider B movies. Now, um, if you know anything historically about movies, what a B movie is, is it's a movie that's made for less money. That is the second film played in a double feature. So it's literally the B movie to the A movie. The A movies, the, the draw you in the B movies, the after. I'm old enough to participate in, in actual double features. Right. And in film, have you? Have no, you been no, I, I've never been to. I I don't think I've ever been to like a traditional old school theater, like a theater that has you know one or two screens, you know where they do like a double feature. Or I've even heard that some did like triple features and stuff like that. Right. So so the the process would be, and I went with my dad, uh, which was cool. I remember being, I don't know, I'm gonna say eleven. 11 to 12. So mm-hmm. right around the time you were getting into death metal and or you know heavy metal, right. getting dark metal, all that stuff, I was getting into horror. Right. And just, you know, it was cool. It's what me and my dad bonded on. And so I want to say we went and saw, it was Star Wars on one end, but because of how late it was, on the back end, I'm almost positive it was The Exorcist. It was, it was two of them. Now what's funny about it is, Star Wars, I slept through. <laughs> you know, it was there. My dad woke me up when Luke fought Vader, and that was about it. Right. And then you know, he was like, "Oh, cool." So it's probably like Return of the Jedi or something like that. Something. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I remember he took me. We went to watch the other one. At this point, it's about like eleven at night, and uh, I'm allowed to stay up, and I'm there, and I'm eating popcorn. I just had an hour plus nap, mm-hmm. and we're there, and I'm watching The Exorcist, and I spent most of the time my face buried in my dad's side, um, right? Because there were parts where my dad, my dad hadn't seen the film, yeah. And, or he didn't, I, no, he didn't see it. So, particularly the part with the cross, uh-huh. he hid my whole face. Right. He bare pawed my face. And then when he heard, let Jesus, he was like, okay. We got to that point and he's like, you know, don't tell your mother. And I was like going, <laughs> what does that mean? He goes, don't tell your mother. Right. That's what that means. Right. And then, uh, you know, she was amazing. Linda Blair, mm-hmm. I believe, is a little actress's name in that. So she terrified me is the best way to put it. Right. So, but that's that's the memory of it. But that double feature was cool because you walked in. I think he paid a whole ten bucks. Uh, that was for him and me. But I was a kid, so there's that. But yeah. You got to see both because of how late it was at the theater, right. and the fact that we didn't go on a Friday. So here's my curiosity, and and um, this really doesn't pertain necessarily to the subject we're talking about, but I remember at one time there was a like an old school traditional theater in Lombard. Like off of Main Street, like by the park. Yeah, um, 
Adam's brother, actually, Jay Halleck worked there. Yeah, did they tear that down? Because I thought that they had made that like a, like a what what do you call it, like a, a protected uh, place. You know, I believe they, I believe it did get torn down because I don't remember Absolutely. it being there anymore. Um, I know that uh, um, when I was a kid, the big thing still before like the megaplexes kind of like started to come around everywhere like like now you can't go to a theater that doesn't have like 30 screens this fucking, sorry this thing is being goofy anyways um you know you can't really go to the movies without going to like a a 30 screen theater an amc a megaplex type of thing but right. when i was a kid the big thing that was still popular but sort of on the decline was the drive-in theater right so you had you know, your traditional two or three screen theaters, like there's one in Elmer's, there's, there's like a real well-known and they've completely renovated that, that location. It's not like it has the facade on the outside of being like this classic theater. And you know, it. so in that sense it is, but it's been completely updated to, you know, I think they have like 10 screens, but like you go in and it still has like the kind of old school walkway in, you know, but now they have the big comfortable seats and the big screen. But um, did you ever experience the drive-in theater? Because oh, yeah. I, I know that in at drive-in theaters we would go. That that's that's where we would see like double features. We you know you'd yep. go see like Coming to America or you know something <laughs> like that, and then you'd stay for whatever the second movie was. And um, these movies, these horror exploitation B movies, most of them were you know, indicated by, or, or they were, I I don't know how to put it, but they, they, they didn't spend a lot of money on them. Right. And they would pump them out very quickly. A lot of the studios that made them were kind of known for making these, these like, they, they'd grind them out. That, that, hence the point. I know a big thing would be price. Yeah. You would know based on whether or not it was at the good theater or if it was at the $2 theater on Sunday. Right. That's how you, that's how you knew. Right. What the film was going to be. And I think a lot of that uh, came from, um, you know, foreign filmmakers. And also, when you have movies like Jaws, when you have movies like uh, The Exorcist, these are movies that at their time were kind of focusing on things that really weren't standard. You know, the exploitation film kind of goes back to like the 30s. You know, you have like the the, the cautionary films like uh, like Reefer Madness is one that most people have seen. And we uh, we watched that on, on Netflix on a previous podcast. Um, it's you know it is what it is, but that's you know cheaply made, you know exploiting a subject, um, you know not spending a lot of time in character development, right? And the cannibal films, cannibal holocaust being my uh, my marquee, I guess you could say, <laughs> you know that that's uh, now. We've talked about Cannibal Holocaust in the past, and I feel like it's a movie that you don't share with someone. It's a movie that you you offend someone yeah you with. you torture someone with. Let's 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 bring that up. I was started to politely, but yeah. I, I don't think I can. I'll treat it as the film is. You again years ago, ten years ago, yep. had me watch it, and you didn't you didn't rehearse it. You didn't preview it. Nothing. <laughs> It was like Bob. I had to go off on a tangent, didn't I? I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to ruin anything for you. I want your honest reaction from it. And from the shit quality sound, I mean, it's really offensive. The music alone annoys me. Like even now, it's just hearing that little excerpt. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry for everyone listening. You had to experience (laughs) a taste. 
And, and that was like, oh, God. But then when you get to the point of what the film's about and what it's going through, yep. I mean, I mean, you want me to get into that or just... Go ahead, man. Take so, it away. So the film... I won't stop you. I don't remember how it starts, but I do remember that these people decide they're going to go to like the jungle. Okay. So and they're going to film it. I can refresh you because uh, I have this kind of fresh in my mind. The movie starts out and it is a uh, like a doctor and uh you know or, or an explorer basically he's a guy who works for a school and there was a, a a team of explorers or something like that or journalists sent out to the amazon to document this lost tribe of indigenous people and all we know at the beginning of the film is we don't know what happened to them they've just sort of vanished and i, and I actually found out later just as a side note mm -hmm. This film got the idea of it got made because of what happened to the Rockefeller. Mm. He's an anthropologist. I'm not familiar with that. He's an anthropologist. I forget his first name, but he's the he's the famous son that disappeared. Uh -huh. He was an anthropologist that was out in I want to say near New Guinea. Okay. And there was uncharted islands near New right. Guinea, and he goes out there, and his main thing was to to encounter brilliant kid. He wanted to encounter instead of being rich and living off dad's money, mm -hmm. he decided that he was going to be contributing via his field. Right. And so he would go to these tribes, learn all about them, bring our culture to them, and show these tribes, basically to update them. Right. To where they're at. To educate at the, them and but stuff. But at the same time, get their authentic history of being tribal and what they did. Mm -hmm. To do that, he had to become part of the tribe, so to speak. He would live with them. He would learn their customs. He would learn to be as they are. And what was rumored all throughout there is that these smuggling networks would come mm -hmm. back with the real story. Right. So the anthropologists would come back report through the, to the museum what they found. The museum would give you sort of a PG-13, this is what will allow to be said based on what he found, and that's that mum's the word, contracts keep them quiet. The smugglers in the area, no such deal. But they were discredited because they're like, well, they're illegal smugglers. Really, you're going to believe them? They're like they're basically <coughs> pirates. Now what happened is, this son goes there, this Rockefeller goes, and he disappears. They, they don't find him. Right, they don't know so, what happened to him. Nothing, they don't know at all. All there is is speculation. And they deployed, this guy spent money, like promising, you know, um, political positions, power, you know, chunks of his dynasty, you name it, right. just find his son. So naturally, every Tom, Dick, and Harry that can go and convince a bank, people were putting mortgages when, on their houses. When was, when was this? Like, do you know? Um, that era, I'd have to it, look it up that It had to be date. like in the 1800s or 1900s, right? No, this is, this is like the Rockefellers... You know about the Rockefellers? No, the Rockefeller, like if, if you're talking about like like John D. Rockefeller, they were like like uh, oil, like right in the in like the 1800s, late 1800s. Oh, okay, no, okay, I see what you're getting at. Where they got their money and where that came from? And, yeah, I'm just I'm just curious, like the when this guy went and supposedly vanished. I don't know the date. It was uh, it was it was New York. It was relatively within our time. It was within our uh, time period as far as not too far after we were born. Okay. So, is where this one, I want to say it was late 50s, okay, early so, 60s, so, something like yeah, that. That makes sense. So, but that's but that's the era. And so, when old boy disappeared, mm -hmm. you know, everybody gets here's key to, the, key to the kingdom, find my son. Okay, the stories they got back from they did a beautiful documentary on this too. And then, of course, me, I had to look at my pundit info. Um, they surmise that he got eight, right? That there was this particular tribe they said stay away from, you know, these people don't care. If you're white, they believe your flesh holds power. Right. And if you have blonde hair, Excuse and me. he did, that means even more power. And they'll want you for your head, they'll want you for your for your flesh, and they believe they can inherit this power. Um, someone even went so far as to say a smuggler said, 
one of these guys, someone shot, went to shoot at one of them, the gun misfired, but that's because this guy recently ate one of the other smuggler captives. That right. They got a hold so, of. and and and, and there's so, there's a level of like uh, inherent you. racism, Correct. you know, like these are the and and that kind of like will play into a different exploitation that that uh, a different genre of exploitation as well. But yeah, but but on this angle, they had this guy they interviewed who was like way younger when he went about it. Was like older for the film. Mm-hmm. Talked about how when he went there, what he found wasn't anything. These guys were dramatizing. Right. He found one. The closest evidence he found was he did find this really old white guy had a long beard looked like he lived amongst this tribe for a long time mm-hmm. and they allowed him to take one photo right of him participating with this tribe as they were rowing to go war with another mm-hmm. literally to go war with another with you know punji with punji sticks with spears and what have you hunt the way they hunted that's what he was right. going to do but this guy was an anthropologist and he knew he was so and, the, and what he said was this had to be him right that and, was he, his assumption. and he knew it had to be him but then he realized they were keeping him in a particular hut and they wouldn't allow people to see him. They would bring all his food to him. They didn't let him walk around when he was there. And he was there for a whole week. Because he would bring all this stuff from, of course, the States. And they loved it. And they would trade with it and all this stuff. And because he disappeared, that's, that, that was that. Everyone assumes he got ate. Well, he went back and he told his dad, Rockefeller's dad, you know, hey, you know, he's, he's, I believe he's there. I believe he's here. You need to send people. You need to do this. But his dad had already grown exhausted. Because think about it, people went there and came back, well, your son was killed, he was eight, still pay us. Right. And so he was shelling up money, well, you went and you tried, here you go. The, the resources were exhausted. After about the 50th person walking to you with his hand out saying he went, here's his you know, ticket to prove he was there, but you don't know what he did, his, his lawyers and everybody was like, shut it down. Right. You just got to face the music. So this guy came after all that, and he said, I'm not doing this for money, I'm letting you know, I believe your son is there, here's the photo. Blah, blah, blah. And that's why it was controversial. Because, you know, after they already publicly said he was dead, he's gone and he's dead, here's this saying, no, he could possibly be alive. And what I'm saying about, uh, that's where I think Cannibal Holocaust came from. Mm -hmm. Because there was, here you go, here's this tribe, no one knows about them, let's go film them. Right. And what it does different, and what makes it exploitation, they send the most asshole crew to go and do this. Now, if you're, and I'm going to just address this to the film, and real quick, if you're an anthropologist team and you got camera workers and whatnot you're going to talk about where you're going right but this is deep jungle we're going to mention the environment and participate with the right. natives and don't piss them off right we're not going with an army there's no one to protect us right so let's you know more flies with honey than vinegar right that sort of mentality and they go here and they don't care they camp and don't <clears> clean <throat> up their shit <coughs> excuse me they're um you know kind of just roving through right and, and not only do they not care i think this is important to note out is that this is like one of those found footage type of films. Right. It's not like it, how we would understand it in the modern context, like, oh, you know, it's filmed all grainy and it's like it's on a digital camera. No. What it is and what, what the director or whoever was in charge of making this movie, what they did was really dickish. So as you were, you know, we were talking, they send this this anthropologist out to find this lost team. And in the process of this guy kind of exploring the Amazon jungle, you know, he finds some very uh, disgusting situations. You know, they show some like uh, uh, some rape, and uh, one of the one of the key scenes is they show a woman who's impaled on this uh, log, and she's impaled, uh, you know, from bottom to top, from from oh, yeah. through her through her vagina Hor- out through her mouth. 
and, oh, man. and 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 they present it as you know here's this guy he's out exploring he sees this, this terrible thing well then he happens upon a tribe and these two tribes are warring and he happens upon this tribe and this tribe has made like a um you know some sort of uh, homage uh you know they they've placed all the bones around and and he finds these canisters of film right and then he takes them home back to whatever place he works for and then they show us the footage that they filmed right and that's where the film gets really fucked up and that's where the exploitation of that really kicks into high gear as they show you this team who they've decided it's not interesting enough what they've encountered so they start like making the news oh yeah right and in the guise of like showing you how bad these people are the creators of cannibal holocaust make this fucked up movie and it shows them you know burning down grass huts and and like assaulting tribes people and then they show you one of the worst things about this movie is the the treatment of animals the gut punch and and i'm gonna because this is i wanted to turn it off yeah when i saw it at this point i was so mad they find a, tur- a, a sea turtle kind of walking about in the jungle grounds because it came out the water and it's doing what turtles do. Right. And they're like, oh, food. And they just machete it. Yeah. They play that shit. I would never forget it. They played that shitty music as they're butchering this turtle yep. to cook it. And then the other one, too, was the muskrat. You remember the muskrat? Yep. Where And then uh, I don't know if this is true or not. I'm not going to bother to look it up because that would require effort on my part. But from what I understand, um, there were probably like between three and six animals killed on screen and they were actually killed it wasn't done with any kind of special effects it was these these animals were actually murdered and so you know that that part in and of itself is pretty unnerving the the graphic horror aspects of it when people are being sort of uh you know cut up and dismembered that's pretty graphic but it's not as disturbing to me as the the depictions of animal cruelty which in and of them in and of themselves or, you know, eh, yeah, that's fucked up. But when it's actually done, that's what's disturbing. When they show you the butchering of the turtle, yeah, that's why you believe everything else. Right. Because you know there's no way. You watch it, and even even if somebody came around and was like, it was 1980 when the film was made, blah, 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 blah. There was their effects in play. They were just getting really good with, you know, animatronics and whatnot. No. Right. No, it wasn't. This looked legit. Right. Right? And... It was. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to let him say it was. I think it was a very uh, a very irresponsible time in movie making. And even there were apologies, too. They even have cited on, uh, online, we looked this up last time we talked about the guy saying, you know, yeah, we did that. We can never do that again. This won't ever be allowed again. <laughs> right. You know, we're, we're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. Right. Is what he kept saying. I said all in Italy and everything else to get the boycott removed so they could actually show the film. And it's like you don't want to show the film. Right? Right. That's, that's the whole thing. Now... The theme that bothered me is because when they torment this tribe, the one thing they do is that they go and and the guys grab the girl who was just loose in the grass. And they drag her back. And oh, they didn't even drag her back. They was right there in the field. Yeah. They just rape her. Yeah, there's there's more than one depiction of graphic rape in that movie. And because they rape her, they did this knowing the tribe reveres virginity. Right. That's the thing they hammer hammer home. Right. It's super important to them. Well, because she's now, quote unquote, tainted, she knew she was going to die. Right. And they kill her the way you already mentioned. Right. It's, it's a done deal. And they were like, oh, man. Well, then they go back. And what the tribe's doing, and they're, watching, they're filming them doing this, 
they don't know what's going on, but you can infer that the tribe is preparing to come get them. Right. But they're like building these morbid, they're doing a ritual that looks dark. Yeah. And looks dark because it involves remains. Right. And then it looks like they go away and then they come in storm and then it's a level of comeuppance. Right. Right. It's based on, based on what they did. They reverse and do yeah, yeah. Kind, of, kind of what they deserved. I think at that point I was cheering on the tribe. Uh, yeah, of course. And it, that's that's the, the thing of the, about a lot of these movies, these exploitation movies, is that it wasn't, a, you know, in a, in a standard sense, like when you make a movie, when I say when you make a movie, but when, when, you, when a, a movie's made, you know, typically you have someone that's uh, a good guy. Someone that that you want to get behind, someone right. that you you sort of rally behind, and that's in a standard Hollywood movie. You know, uh, say what you want about foreign films; that's not necessarily the the overarching concept. But s- typically speaking, you have you know a good guy, you have a bad guy, you have got to uh, have conflict, right, got to have right. a story. You 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 have you have people that you can you can get behind that you you can feel a sense of empathy towards. Right. This movie doesn't have that at all. No. And if if anything, you become sort of like, good, fuck these people. And at the end of the film, you know, they 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 do that thing where they they, you know, the clip of the 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 old eight millimeter or whatever reel goes flipping and and everybody's kind of standing there and they're like, we're never gonna share this. And it's like you shouldn't have shared it. <laughs> right. You shouldn't have made it. Right. You shouldn't someone, have. Someone should look at that script and went, mm. Right. When when you when you talk about the concept no. of, of torture porn, you know, like that's become like a common concept, you know, and we were watching a clip earlier on YouTube where they kind of talked about that. that like this this movie I think would be the standard. Here's a, here's a, oh yeah. Cannibal Holocaust now? Yeah. Whatever. Right. Whatever. After human centipede and everything right. else has been shown, it's like whatever. You know, it, it, but to be fair, I think that um, the the only thing that really detracts from the realism of people being dismembered is the blood. Yep. There was this weird thing in the seventies. I don't know if it was just the recipe that they had or what, but the blood was always like this bright red, like paint. You know, it was like yeah. it was like red paint, and that's that's like the only thing that really kind of distracts from. Tom, the, I guess the realism. Tom Savini had a had a good comment about that, and that mon- you the filming at back then the film quality couldn't pick up the difference between real realistic blood or right. even real blood, and because it looked fake, because right, it probably looked black, right? And it looked like there's an oil smear, is it just sustained? Or, right. What what is that crap? And then they would use paint, and people go, "Oh, that's blood." Right. And he always laughed about it because when uh. Like I told you, me and Melissa saw him at the horror convention. Right. He had a mixture. He has a mixture for blood he uses on film. Looks real good. You've seen it. Right. Right. Dust till dawn, things like that. And uh, he was mentioning how it's a lot easier doing it now than it was back then because a lot of times you wouldn't know what it looked like on camera until after you've already shot right. a lot of it. And then they're like, oh, we got to redo this scene again. By the way, makeup effects, fix this. Right. Because you're, you're looking through a lens of a right. very small frame. You're not, you, you, you know, back then you didn't necessarily have you know, big ass monitors to look at, to play it back immediately. Yep. So yeah, I, I can understand that. And, and, you know, lighting effects being what they were, uh, that's the only thing I would say that doesn't really hold up, but the special of, I, I feel bad even calling them special effects, right. but you know, there's, there's a scene and anybody who's seen it. And if you, I'm not going to give spoilers cause fuck this movie, but at the end, they they're they're dismembering these people that are part of this film crew and you know they're tearing limbs and and legs off and all that kind of stuff and 
it looks pretty fucking real. Yep. I, I've never seen anybody dismembered for real, and I don't want to, so don't share with me where I can find that, because I'm sure I can. But it looked real enough to me. The only thing that, like I said, was distracting was, you know. But your mind gets to find the concept of what it would probably be like. Right. If you've cut raw chicken yeah. to making a meal, you know exactly what right. it's like. Right, and, and I'm sure there was some of that in the in the mix. <laughs> right, indeed, indeed. And the point about this is that you got to remember why it was shocking to us and why somebody could see it now and go, eh, right? It's bad, but eh. Right. It's, it's more shitty than it is shocking. That's because we are incredibly jaded now. Right. From what's come, like you and I, like even ten years ago, just the era we grew up in. There's the eighties. There was right. filming. You could. There's stuff you could do and stuff you could not do. Even in horror, for instance, <laughs> Tales from the Dark Side was a great show, fantastic series. Right. They didn't cross lines and boundaries. No. Uh, Twilight Zone had a, had a series, same thing. Well, I think I think that a lot of those old, uh, you know, anthology shows like yep. you know Tales from the Dark Side, even Tales from the Crypt, yep. uh, the Twilight Zone. They were more about not necessarily showing you the horror, but but psychologically making you feel fear. They wanted to. There was a show anthology called Monsters that absolutely wanted to get into where it showed you. That was more shock. Right. It was monsters. Right. Monsters eat people. Here's what they eat. Here's what that right. looks like. And now you have Masters of Horror. Right. right? Masters of Horror takes takes it to a whole new level. They're going to show you what they need to show you to be scary. But they're still, they're the masters. They know how to show you enough to get the shock and be tasteful. Right. I think that's the best term using here. Exploitation is tasteless. R- yeah, absolutely. Tasteful films know the line and know that you don't want to see that. Right. And and then, you know, it, it, it'll come back to uh, another topic that we've discussed, which is an exploitation topic. Movies like, you know, Friday the 13th, The Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, those are those are straight slasher films. Those are an exploitation uh, genre that popularity brought them to the forefront. You know, like Freddy Krueger, the a Nightmare on Elm Street was made for a very small budget. It right. wasn't, you know, and uh, I think I think it was New Line Cinema that was making it was, and and yep. because that movie exploded, it was huge. It was a huge actual, you know, uh, theater, right. you know, box office success. That's when they started sort of investing more money into it. And people will ask, why it was a success? It's because it's based on dreams. Yeah. And again, remember me mentioning that Hollywood finds this thing that could hit an entire audience? Yeah. And that's why they put it in theater. Right. The thing is, is anybody at night has had a dream about a boogeyman. And that, that film, Nightmare on Elm Street, says, well, this boogeyman can kill you. And if you get killed in your dreams, you die for real. And that was the point. That's why it's scary. That's why folks saw it, despite the, the kind of campiness to it. And that's, and that's the effect of it. Yeah. And, and that's good, again, tasteful by comparison. Well, and, and you, when we talk about campiness, too, like it's a lot of these movies are campy in regards to a comparison to modern cinema. Yeah. But at the time, you know, were they so campy? You know, they you wanted to. It was fun. Those are fun horror films. Right. I mentioned this before in a previous podcast where it got a little heated. But the fact is, is that when you go to a theater and you got your popcorn and you want to see a film, you want to go with friends, you want to laugh with your friends, you want to mm-hmm. engage with your friends, you know, and share that moment. Mm-hmm. And if I spent... Real quick, flip your uh, headphone cable over just a little bit because it's rubbing against your mic. Yeah, just, just so it's not on your... No technical adjustments there. All right. So if uh, sorry about that. So if I spent like you know nowadays fifteen bucks to have this popcorn, be with my friends to hang out for right. an hour and a half to two hours, whatever it is for the for the film, 
hell yeah, I want to have a lot of laughs and build some good memories, you know? And anybody who goes to a film to watch a serious film and not be bothered, eh, maybe you should wait for home cinema. Or, you know, the, when it's in your control to be alone and watch the movie. Right. I've always said that. Or go early or what yeah, have and, you. And, and that really depends, too, on your personal taste and what kind of movie you're trying to see. But I think, like, uh, I agree with you as far as, like, the horror uh, element is concerned. Horror, horror and comedy films and action films are three films. You're really not going to get the silence you're looking for. Right. And, and nine times out of ten, they're not really made for you to have deep contemplation. And that's kind of a thing with movies in general nowadays, yeah. is there aren't really going to be a lot of films that come out that you have to really put a lot of thought into. You know, American cinema today has become very much, uh, I, I you know, I want to liken it unto exploitation films of these eras because they're while they're not at all hitting the same subject matter, they're not at all, you know, like ultra-violent splatter cinema or anything like that, you know, the the vast majority of the films that we see today, the very popular ones, are like superhero movies, yep. are, you know, Transformers movies. Like, they're big budget, and they're, they're made for you to... You know, just to make an emotion, just to cause a, yeah. you know, and, and think about like a slasher film. Nine times out of ten, the the creator of that movie, the director or the writer, their intent is to create a feeling, whether it's fear or revulsion or hatred or, you know, a jump scare. It's created... You know, not necessarily so you go, oh, I understand why Freddy Krueger, I, I get the nuances and subtleties of his character. You don't give a fuck about that. Right. You know, you don't care about what, you know, all you need to know is Freddy Krueger was a bad guy. Everybody like chased him down and burnt him up. And now he's come back for revenge. And that's exactly my point. The old Nightmare on Elm Street versus the remake. Mm -hmm. The old one was, they're both artistic. Yeah. The old one said, I want everyone to enjoy this right. and get along with it and participate. The new one said, he, and it was scarier and more realistic because that's the art you could see. That required you yeah. to figure out Fred Krueger and why and when and why is it terrifying. And it bothered you on a level because it's like this, the idea that somebody could be pedophilic. I mm -hmm. just made up a term if it didn't. But like, you know, pedophiles exist. Could be a pederast. Most pedophiles by nature are not... Why, why are they going after kids who knows? I don't know. I'm not yeah. going into the mind of it. But the stuff that you read about it, for instance, these people tend to be weak. But it, and, and, they tend to not be strong individuals that are preying on the least common denominator. Right. And it's not it's not something that uh, is accepted. Right. It's, it's automatically creating and, a sensation of revulsion. Right. Regardless of what their motives are. Right. And then you see them as just these gross. Right. You know what? They you don't should. belong. Right. And you should. Right. But you made him a predator, right. a super predator. Right. He's got a clawed glove. This guy's this guy's also up in his game. And now add to the fact there's some, there's an occult element to him too. Mm -hmm. He's now a pedophile, serial killing, child. Pre he's not he's not even doing anything to these kids that we know about. Right. Who knows? You never know if Fred Krueger crosses that line of pedophilia. They just heavily point right. to it, and then you find out oh he's just killing kids out of revenge. Well, and and and, it, and it, what it does is that with these with these with slasher movies with with a lot of these exploitation films and just movies of that nature is it's taking something in our culture, something that is like a natural ingrained fear. You know, you have a fear of of you know serial killers. Most likely, you're never going to interact with one. You're never going to know if you see one, and you're not going to get killed by one. You know, uh, take Jaws. People have this innate fear of sharks. 
people have these religious fears of, you know, what, you know, what, what's out there that I don't know about, but real life allows us to sort of deal with that stuff. You know, serial killer gets caught. He goes to jail. You know, he gets the death penalty or he doesn't, but he spends the rest of his life in jail. What if you took the power of society away? You know, what if you now that crazed killer, that H.H. Holmes type of guy that we talked about in the previous podcast, what if he was unstoppable? The police couldn't do anything. He was unstoppable. You you know, well, well, what I'm saying is if he (laughs) was legitimately... You know, the police can't arrest Jason Voorhees. Right, shoot him 50 times. Right, don't and he just keeps coming, you know. And that's that's where you take these natural fears, uh, fear of nightmares, you know, Freddy Krueger, fear of uh, of predators, of child predators and stuff like that. And now you take that dial and you amp it up to 10, where now they can't be stopped. What do they do? Right. Well, you know, always in the end, they get stopped, or do they, you know? Right. And and they cross, they cross that line of realism for... That's how that's how you enjoy the film. Yeah, they create a suspension of disbelief for you to go. Ah, eh, no way. Right. This never will happen ever ever. Yeah. And I was and you're good to go. Right. Suddenly everything's right as rain. Yeah. And a lot of these exploitation films take that take. It's just about finding that aspect. You know, you you have your cannibalism films. You know, nobody wants to get eaten. Yep. You know, especially not by another human being. And you know that that sort of nationalistic or racial fear of of these ignorant people, you know, or quote unquote ignorant people that, that live out in the jungle and what are they going to do to you, you pristine white bastard, you know? And, uh, you know, when you, like you look at Mondo, uh, films, which like Mondo films, like Mondo Kane and, and shit like that, where like, oh man, you know, if I go to the jungle, a bunch of lions are going to come and eat me, you know, like, it's just those, the fears that human beings have that are kind of like, in my opinion, they're kind of ingrained in us on an evolutionary scale, I was gonna say, yeah. you know, and, and, but, but we don't really have those fears, uh, f- logically anymore because nine times out of 10, you living in the suburbs, you're not going to encounter a bear to come and kill you and tear you apart. You're not going to encounter. Now that's not to say that it doesn't occasionally happen, but does it happen to us? Like it happened to us a hundred thousand years ago? No, but on a funny note, you mentioned it's, it's primal, right? Right. That fear. Uh, my, I grew up, my dad always had this, like, uh, this throw rug mm-hmm. that had the head of a lion, like, on the savannah. It was, like, black. And then, uh, to represent the desert as the backdrop, it had a starry night sky on it. But then it had this lion, almost Simba caliber. You right. know what I mean? I always thought it was cool, you know, lions, whatnot, strong affiliation with uh, African culture. This is where their strength comes from. A spirit animal. Um, right. Great. Then... I, I was reminded that I go to Brookfield Zoo. I was with Adam. Uh, I was with Adam, Lexi, Heather, Jay, all them, you know, family outing type thing. Uh, I remember, I want to say it was a zoo anyway. Definitely with Adam and Lexi, although I might be confusing him. But we go to the zoo and we go through all the houses, you know, and we, we go to see the lions. And we just got back from looking at the gorillas, right? right? And the gorilla was sorry. He, was, he, was, he wasn't sorry like he was sick. He was sorry like... Man, just another day. Yep. Sitting down here, and this monkey kept jumping around, annoying the shit out of him until he rolled it across six feet of rock, and then it decided, yeah. that, eh, I'm going to go get this banana peel, all that shit. We watched him for a little bit. I thought it funny. It was like a parent annoyed with a toddler always, you know, messing right. with him. But then we go to the lion house, and I'm like, we're going to get the same lazy lion, no big deal. And for the most part, yeah. I walked in, a couple family kids there, whatever, and, and the lion's like, whatever. I walked over to the glass, and this lion stood up, 
ran trotted over to the glass and was just looking at me and i was like what the <laughs> fuck is going on right but then i was like ah eh, you're a lion it's the glass i'm no big deal then it was like rawr yelled so fucking loud and the glass was there that my ass jumped back and threw hands up like it, like it was like i thought i was gonna box this lion now understand the lion that's aggression right and it was like oh i was right motherfucker you are a predator uh-huh. you think you're bigger than me he says, I'm going to eat your ass is what I'm going to do. I got these paws. I got these claws. And I'm going to eat you. And I was like, I'm not a lion. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. I need to leave the house now. Time to leave the little glass. And suddenly that glass was paper thin. Yeah. Like in me, fight or flight, right? I have it. Any human being, I don't care what championship you won in the arena, I ain't running from you. No. It's just, I'm a big dude. I can, we can find that out. Right. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm going to beat you. You know, probably not if you're that skilled, but there's a chance. Right. My spine told me, you're fucked <laughs> in front of this lion when it roared, right? right. And I was like, Ugh. now I'm with a kid. And when I was a kid, adults couldn't show fear. Adults have to show kids that, you know, it's okay to be afraid. And what but, a weird concept that is, too. Well, because you want your child to feel safe. they got to right. feel protected. Right. And that's the point. You want them to understand you will feel fear your whole life. Right. There will come a time I'm not around. I want you to be able to handle that. But now you're in, you're in my protection. You are safe. I remember that from my dad doing that to me. But I remembered that lesson. And I'm sitting here and I'm looking at Lexi and Adam. Adam and Lexi were already walking out and they roared. And Adam's lighthearted. He was like, ah, you know, Bob jumped a little bit. Did you see that? Bob had to check his drawers. <laughs> that lion yelled. And, when, and you understand, I left and I thought for a minute as I'm walking away and I wasn't there. By the way, the lion followed me through the glass all the way right. to the door. Right. Maybe, Looking maybe uh, not to not to pull a uh, one of those interrupting, uh, right. you know. But uh, maybe he smelled brambles on you. Brambles. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Fine. Fine. But, but I, you know, I would walk in and I'm out there, and I remember going back. Though it was a cool thing. When I went back, that lion was still by the glass, yeah. and when I came back, definitely remembered me. And when we, you know, we walked away, I remember this guy commenting. He goes, "What it is." Uh, what, what style of what style of cologne or whatever do you use? Like I don't. And he was like, "Going that could be it. Your natural scent uh-huh. may may be aggressive to him. Like someone may have abused the lion or what have you." And I'm like, "Hang on. <laughs> Lions are born killers. Right. Someone abused this lion. It's, right. Did right. you see this lion? Right. Abuse. This lion. That glass needs to be three or four inches thicker. Yep. For me to feel safe. You know. But that's what I'm talking about fear. Yep. Right. So when you mention Films like Jaws that go, anybody who's been on a boat mm-hmm. and has thought they've seen something in the water, even if it was a lake, didn't matter. Yep. The boat wasn't big enough. Yeah. And that fear in Jaws, they maximize it. When you hear about divers and you know wakeboarders and what have you, they'll tell you one thing, they'll have this in common. Oh, I'm not worried about sharks, especially if they're born in an area where the ocean was all around. Right. right. It's just what you do. You're cool. But be you a Midwestern individual yeah, yeah. and go to the ocean and watch as the locals poke fun and laugh as they see you maybe pamby you know what like like you've told me the story about you being in the ocean and feeling something and it could have been seaweed touching your leg and you were like i'm out it was a fish that's exactly how i am <laughs> i i'll tell you like this like i when i was a kid i think there was a level of blessed ignorance that i had where I was like, I got no problem going in the woods. Right. I got, you want me to go on a boat? I'll go on a boat. I don't care. Blah, 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 blah. Bounce up and down. Bounce up and down. I, I didn't care. <laughs> As I got older and perhaps more uh, curmudgeonly or just more aware, I was like, go to the woods? That's where like bears and stuff are at. I have no interest in going there. Go on a boat in the ocean? No. I don't belong in the ocean. 
I don't, I feel, I don't want to swim in the ocean. I don't, I have no interest in it whatsoever. I will tell you this. It is a first world problem for you to say, eh, I ain't scared of a bear. Uh Uh-huh. Because you have never heard a bear. You have never heard a bear. Right. And you've been near it. You've never seen a bear feed from you. I've been to Canada up to a landfill inside of an SUV, and we went to dump our trash because that's what you do up there. Uh, family got a cabin out there, and that's uh, the Wood Clan. You know, I'm part of the clan, so we, you know, occasionally every mm-hmm. summer, if you can make the trip, you make the trip. And we're up there, and we go to the landfill, and there's just black bears digging in the trash, eating what they can. You don't get out of the ride. Mm-hmm. And they're used to you being there, but everybody has that everybody's death silent. Rolling up, there's like, just roll it down, okay, throw it out. All <laughs> right, right and just leave the bears alone. Right. Leave, and everybody has that tone. We're like, it's okay. Just just bear. Just don't worry. But we're not doing it for the fucking bear. Right. We're doing it for us. Yeah. No loud noises. Nobody fuck around. Because at the end of the day, you, you may have a car or you may have a house that separates you, but you're still just a meaty treat for a bear. They did a documentary where they showed you first um, what a bear could do. To a car, and they show a bear coming up, and they put food in it, and then how fast black bears can swarm into a car, destroy the car, and get to you. Oh, yeah. Right? You ain't safe. The fact that you're in a ride, it doesn't help you. (laughs) You need to drive the fuck away. A bear can tear up a vehicle, period. Give me 10 seconds. I got to pee. So what I was getting at, uh, just uh, to mention that the whole line story, that whole nine, is just an idea behind the fact that when you think of a director making a film like Jaws in the Water and describing that... And so I relate through stories, right? Right. I think everybody does, but most folks kind of just settle for, here's what happened and that's that. I tell you the story because I want you to be there, to feel what I felt, and understand that that's why I watch horror films, because it's safe for me to feel that fear right? and enjoy it, kind of get in the moment. And also, there's different levels of horror films. There's, I want to get scared with the kids, let's watch a monster film, right? monster flick, right? Um, Godzilla isn't going to scare anybody. No. It's not. It's a giant monster, blah, blah, blah. However... They did a film, the Japanese did one, where it showed the possibility of uh, them treating oil spills. They made this whole science around a bacteria, and, or not a bacteria, it would be more like a virus. I, for, I forget the two, I'm not a scientist, maybe you know. Like a virus is obviously a contagion, right? right? And a bacteria grows from whatever. And, but the, what it would do was it would eat and dematerialize, it would eat the oil and then poop out biomass that was not harmful to the environment. Just it could wash away or the fish will eat it or whatever. Yeah, so probably a bacteria of some kind. So, but what happened is, is that this bacteria gets ate, right? It eats the oil, whatever. And right. then the fish comes to eat it and it eats the fish. Right. And then because the fish's DNA is there and, and what it's supposed to do, it grows and grows and grows. Right. And it turns into this thing that's living in the water. Then it eats human waste. It's now in the sewers doing that to sewage right. material. <clears throat> and then it eats a human and then it decides humans are next on the menu. And it turns into this big old thing, and it's running around trying to eat everybody. That's still a monster film, right? That's a, that concept of uh, like human beings meddling with with right. science and science, you know, going awry, and you know, it's and the it's, same concept as, as Godzilla, right? <clears throat> and, uh, but uh, Godzilla didn't. Let's let's face it. Godzilla has themes. When they broke when they broke that um, franchise of Godzilla, it was a dude in a rubber suit, yeah. on a miniature city. And I'm sure at the time it was wildly entertaining. Totally cool. Right. But we say this all the time. You can go back and watch this old stuff, or you're just like, come on. Yeah. Well, you know, I, 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 there there definitely is that, like, okay, what the hell, you know, that, that's kind of corny. But, you know, y- y- look at it like this. 
what what are we making now that in 20 years, 30 years from now, people are going to go, really, they found this entertaining? Here's, here's you know? the deal, though. When they did that era where they came out with all those effects, you know they knew. Right. You know they knew how it looked, but nobody had seen it before. It was like a dime show. Right. You know? It was like, oh, cool, check out. Look what they made with effects today. And you went and saw it. Oh, I wonder what it'll be like years from now. Right. And you could have that, and that's cool. It's like when Technicolor yeah. came and out. We're, was... we're totally spoiled nowadays. Like we're, I think we're the most spoiled generation when it comes to our media. Because everything is... We're, we're at this kind of point in, in multimedia, in television, in movies, in, in games, where we've gotten to that point where I, I feel like we're just about to go over the cliff. You know, like to where it's 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 about as realistic as you could get and it requires much less effort to get there. You know, those those old films I said I've been watching this uh this this documentary series uh about the history of film. And you know, they they show like uh um what is that movie with Russell Crowe? Uh Gladiator? Uh, yeah, Gladiator, where you know, they have this like long what would be like a helicopter shot or like a crane shot over this greatly involved and intricate Roman city. And it's all computer generated and it looks as realistic as, as, as could be, but it's, it's all computer generated and it, it doesn't require the manpower, the effort, the, the, you know, sitting down and trying to, you know, even if you did something like that with miniatures, like if you watch the first star Wars film, you know, that's all miniatures. You know, it's all these intricately detailed little models and, you know, all, all this effort and, and logistics. And now you can just kind of do it with a computer, you know, right. or a couple right. of computers. And, it, you know, it'll take you a little while, but it's you're sitting here like I'm sitting here right now, whereas, you know, 30, 40, 50, 100 years ago, that would require so much effort and you know, you got to give it to, you know, guys like Roger Corman and, and all these, you know, like the, remember all the movies with like uh, Jason and the Argonauts and, yep. you know, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and all that shit where they have these kind of like stop motion. That was just what they had, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, people hadn't seen it before, but it was mind boggling because, wow, there's like a giant scorpion that this guy's fighting. How, how could they do that? That's impossible. Right. You know, it blows your mind. And um, they talked about... Uh, but uh, but what, I, what I mean by that, I'm not pooping on any of that. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah. saying it yeah, definitely no, was. Yeah. What I'm saying is, is that that excitement came from that... They always they show oh, you this in yeah. movies now. Right. Oh, where people will go, giant scorpion. Well, you know they do that with special effects. Well, how? Well, what they do is they take wood and plastic and they throw Those it over are the worst there. people to watch movies with, by right. the way. And, and, it, and I, myself included. I've, I've been that guy a few But times. that's excitement. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's all it is. It's still paying homage to what they did. I feel like there are people that like to see awe-inspiring images and take them for what they are. And then there are people that like to deconstruct every little thing. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, doing a podcast. Where you said it. It's a pet peeve of mine of someone to watch it from. There's a difference of going, oh, man, that special effect where that demon just kind of mm -hmm. appeared or materialized. How'd they do that? And then you know how they did that. Right. We could do an effect with smoke and, yeah, a little green screen. But, no, I don't think that was. That could be done with a computer graphic and most likely was. Uh -huh. And they just spliced the film so and blah, blah, blah. There's a difference of doing that and then listening to someone go, and, I, and I'm not quoting, but I'm just going to use a term here or a term of phrase. Well, the way they shot that, you know, artistically it was probably in poor taste. 
facing how you want right. to see it. You have to understand at the Can Can Film Festival, and then <laughs> and then right there, you're like, I'm gonna beat you with a can, but and it's ridiculous. I think I, I think it's it's important to realize that uh, movie makers are making films uh, to attract an audience, whether or not they are fully invested in their art form or whatnot. Movies are not made for critics. Obviously, movie makers, filmmakers want to be critically accepted for what they do. They want to be acknowledged. I think acknowledgement is a huge part of human behavior. But at the end of the day, you know, if you fashion yourself as an auteur, you know, you're a you're a film, you know, you're like, come on, dude. Like, okay, I, I'll I'll use this as an example. I think that Transformers is a steaming pile of shit. Right. But it fucking works for what it is. Right. And it's not a movie that's maybe necessarily made to attract me because I don't consider, you know, it's 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 to to attract a mass audience. And at the end of the day, it's to make money. But when you, you know, see Transformers or G.I. Joe, yeah. the first thing your brain should do is don't look too much into this. Yeah, don't don't put a lot of thought into it. Don't do it. But how do they make it look? How's it gonna be? And just go to a film. When you see something like Silence of the Lambs, put on your thinking cap. Yep. Right? It's a it's a drama suspense thriller. Yep. I'm gonna have to pick out some cues that there you can judge and you could think and what have you. Or yep. convert uh, conversely, if you're gonna watch something like not the Titanic, but Gangs in New York. Uh-huh. You know, where again we know it's about gangs, but it's more than that. Yep. It's about two particular characters in it and how well they portray those characters. Yeah. Well, you like to think that when you have a three plus hour period piece with Daniel Day Lewis you're not expecting to see giant fucking robots. Right. But at the same time, you're probably not going to get Daniel Day-Lewis and Leonardo DiCaprio in a movie directed by Martin Scorsese that's about giant fucking robots. Right. And if you do, there should be an expectation. Well, this isn't going to be just a Transformers (laughs) movie. You know, I, I think that that would have to be a pretty goddamn dynamic script to attract Daniel Day-Lewis to do a giant fucking robot movie. Right. I'm just saying. <laughs> when, he deci- when he decides to do that, that would be epic. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know of any like blockbuster-type films that guy's ever done. I'm pretty sure I know 90% of the movies that he's done, and I don't think he would do that kind of movie. So if you saw him on the marquee, you should probably have the expectation, well, this is not going to be Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what was that? I had a thought, and I'm not to let it go. I just want to tell you that. No, oh, well, uh, give me a second, because uh, apparently when I talk to any great length, my sinuses fill up with snot, so I'm going to blow my nose real quick, and I'll be right back. That is a baffling fact. <laughs> I don't, yeah, it happens all the time. I don't know why. I don't understand it. I think it's because they mow the lawn every two days. And you're right. The seasons are changing, and they, the pollen's spreading, and, you know, I think people with allergies, all it is is that we're allergic to... A plant trying to hump our face. That's it. It's trying to find fertile ground and grow more plants. I don't like uh, grass cum in my nose. Yeah, that's the thing. You gotta gotta worry about grass cum in your nose. There's uh, I mean, it's just chlorophyll, right? But you know, to a plant that might be pornographic. <sighs> that's basically what's happening, is that all the pollen and all the all the mold. It's just um, it's just plant cum. It's just one giant orgy of plant fucking. It would be like if if we just constantly walked around just ejaculating. And this and, isn't perverted because it's about plants, right? And and we're just and our ejaculate just kind of like floated through the air and like 
you know, people walked by and got it in their face and shit, and they were like, ugh. What well, blows your mind is that people are offended because now we know how all women feel. And there's, there's, that, there's that effect you're on to be like, oh, no. By the way, I feel like that's a prime reason why there is a society. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. So we can't it's to all keep be... us from just jack saucing all over everything. <laughs> You know, say what you want about like the shame of of you know religious ideals and et cetera, et cetera. But really, when it comes down to it, is that these are the things that have kept us from just ejaculating on everything. Yeah, it's uh, like look look at look at primates for an example. Okay, you have the the female, the mother. She's tending to the to the little young uh, little young primates, and then the male just comes over and just starts fucking her. Do you know what always disturbs me about that? I feel incredibly awkward when I'm sitting. <laughs> okay, so I saw that panda documentary, right? Because mm-hmm. I love pandas. I can't say it. I kind of didn't love pandas after you watching can't it say for it. a little no, bit. No, yeah, you can. You can. So, say it. and I'm just saying it's dangerous. It's like it's like my spirit animal. You can't say that. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> they're kind of dicks. But it's a panda, and it's not even that they're dicks. It's that they're like they comment. It's a bunch of Japanese people sitting around, or Chinese people, pardon me, sitting around. And they're like, we got to help these panda mate because they're you know they're going extinct. We got to set up a prime environment. Right. And they're like, oh, well, we chemically know that the female's in heat. So we'll put her in this cage and she'll just, we give her lots and lots of bamboo to keep her happy and sedated. And then, uh, or not sedated, but calm. Yeah. And then. Sedate. It, right, sedate. So then, then comes the male. And they're like, here's a young Randy male. Well, how do you know he's in the mood? Well, because he's a male. Right. The point is she's in heat and the instincts should take over. And they put the male panda in there and I'm thinking nothing's going to happen. That's been the problem of pandas. Right. And they're like, oh, we'd be giving his food a little kick, and here's that. And then the dude's in there, and he's like, okay, she's eating bamboo. I can't eat bamboo. So I'm going to fuck her. And he walks <laughs> over, and she, she doesn't stand up. She's like sitting down eating bamboo and doesn't even look at him. She's like, whatever, I'm eating. And he can't get it done. Right. He's like over there, and he's young. He's like, come on, get up, come on, get up. And she's eating bamboo, ignores him. And they're uh-huh. like, oh, she, she, she's going to stonewall him. Oh, is she? Okay. So they sent him out on his way, give him some bamboo. And he's like, well, that's all I really wanted was some bamboo anyway. I was going to settle for sex. Right. So I got the bamboo. And then like, well, put in the older male and see what happens. And the older male walks in, bites a piece of the bamboo. Like he got bamboo, like in the side of the cage, uh-huh. I guess. He bites a little bit of the cheese on eating and walks over. He's like, did you get some of this? And she goes, oh, look at that bamboo. And she has to stand up to bite it. And he nudges her a little bit. Then he gets behind her. And he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> and he's doing the deed. And I'm like, what the f-? And then it goes pans to Chinese people like, yeah, yeah. It's like, you're watching Bandaboard. What do you mean, yeah? But the, whatever happened to send them away in the wild, let them go in the bushes and eat the bamboo, and then you hope in whatever time it takes for a mama panda to push a baby panda. You know, that, 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 proposes, pose, proposes, that poses the question to me. Like, I get that we want to save these animals, but... If the animal doesn't want to fuck to to follow, like, if it doesn't have a natural instinct to survive, doesn't that kind of say something about the animal? What, like, the world has a way of working itself out. They talk about it. It's not that it doesn't want to. The fact is, is that China mm-hmm. has built over, like, the mountainous areas where the panda would be in the valleys uh-huh. and whatnot. They don't live in the peaks. Right. They're down there in, like, the so midpoint. So it's a down. habitat thing. Yeah, and they overgrew and over, because it's rich in ore and what have you, that they need to mine. Because it's China. Exactly. It's and, China's and they're over there. China. Well, what was cool is the Chinese people said, hey, assholes. Uh-huh. I.e. their government. Would you? But the government was cool, and everyone was like, oh, yeah, we didn't know we were doing that to the pandas. We just thought they'd keep moving and moving and moving. <laughs> and they were like, where the hell are they going to move to? <laughs> right. Well, now you're the panda. 
these weird aliens are living in your area, and you're like, what the fuck's going on? That sounds like a plot to a horror movie in right. and of itself. Right, and then they come over, and they're like going, well, what are you doing? Well, I was, I'm going to eat this bamboo. That's just weeds, and they're in the way. We're going to chop it up in some machete, and I'm going to fuck you up too, Panda. You get too close. <laughs> what is he saying? I don't know. He pointed that metal shiny object at you. Well, go get the bamboo. Oh, he's butchering Bob the Panda. Oh, my God. I mean, imagine, imagine, imagine it from the human perspective. You know, there's some species that's higher evolved than us, and there's only like, you know, a dozen or two human beings left, right? <laughs> and they put you in a cage and they're like, have all the cheeseburgers, all the hot dogs, whatever you want. That's what you live in. That's what you live on, <laughs> right? And you're like, fuck it, man. I got, I got fucking TV. I got old reruns of fucking I Love Lucy. And I got these fucking hot dogs. I could just eat all that shit all day, whatever. Why are they going to give gonna, me shitty reruns of well, I Love Lucy? I'm well, sorry, go well, ahead. Because I, I, in my mind, it's it's these are like aliens. Who don't and, know. Right. They <laughs> don't. It, they it. just, they go, okay, well, uh, here's what we found. Uh, that's what they must love. We've completely destroyed their habitat. And in the cage adjacent to you is a woman. And, it, you know, they got the same process going and they keep them fat because humans are supposed to be fat, right? That's, you know, that's that's the theory here. And they grab Americans. Right, right, right. They, well, they, they, they grab whatever human beings are left and, and <laughs> you know, they, well, they need to be fattened up for health. So we just feed them and feed them and feed them. Regardless, it doesn't matter if you're skinny or you're fat. But the woman in the in the cage next to you, they're like, all right, human, Get in there. And she's like, I don't I don't find you appealing. Oh, you got this weird annoying voice and you're kinda homely looking. And you're like, but kinda like they want us to fuck, so we should probably do that, right? And she's like, No, fuck off. And they don't get it. They're just <laughs> like, it's uh let's find an older fella. <laughs> right. And the old and the older fella is like fucking uh what is it? Uh who's that dude? Um sings it, don't be so quick to Walk away. Who's it? I have no fucking Justin clue. Timberlake. That's who it is. <laughs> okay, you, that's yeah, why okay. you don't know. Okay, so that's who it is. So, so don't throw him in. That's what you mean by some old dude. You had me at dick in a box. A dick in a box? <laughs> yeah, right. So, but you get what I'm saying. They right. throw him in, and suddenly she's like, well, hey. And he's and, like, he's like, I brought you some flowers, baby. Right. And she's like, oh my God, I've been waiting to be romanced my whole life. I've been in this cage. Right. And you appeal to me on so many levels. And you're like, what the fuck, man? I just wanted to get some. I'm trying to protect the human race here. Then you're out there and an alien's like, oh, we might have to put him down. Whoa. And then they watch Justin Timberlake and whoever the woman is. I'm sorry for marginalizing you, imaginary woman. I didn't give you a name. But uh, they fuck. And then the aliens are like, yay. They clap and cheer. And you're like, man. I'm just gonna eat some hot dogs. Fuck it. Right, you're out there. and grabbed his burger. And, fucking, you and know, then whatever. they come. They, they come. You know, six months later, and they're like, do do knocking on your door, and you're like, man, she ain't gonna fuck me anyways. <laughs> fucking no, nah, we got another female. She's nine. We right. figured what? But you're so you you <laughs> right. you've lost all your confidence. <laughs> you're completely emasculated, and you're like, look, I don't want to be the panda anymore. <laughs> and they, they call up old Justin Timberlake, who's fucking cocksure and confident, who's like, right. yeah, I got, I got the bamboo. But imagine how he must feel, right? Because everybody's got that. You know, he's in his cage. You don't just let him free range. Right. That dude's studding right. You right. Keep him over here. And he's like, what the hell? All I get is, he gets Taco Bell or whatever. We've determined brain, that so. the human race, uh, there seems to be some strange bamboo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you you keep the Justin Timberlake safely over here in his cage. Yes, you can tell by his faint markings <laughs> that he's... Have, uh, the free-range average males that are out here seem to be good for being uh, uh, upset and industrious. Yes. We put some strange contraption in his hand, and he pressed the buttons and seemed to rather enjoy that, but we can't get him to engage with the female. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we just basically said... What I was... You know, 
how I feel. Right. I think that whole panda thing was a little too close to home. It's like, <laughs> I saw that. Well, no, because I saw that as, you know, going, oh, what it is is the young panda didn't know how to do it, right. how to get her in the mood. And the old panda said, there isn't a mood. <laughs> you make sure she, she has her money and you get to have the it honey. It was like, roofie That's her it. drink. Just, right. get, <laughs> just get in there. Is this what you want? You wanted the money? You got the money? Well, you'd like to sit down, but there's only one way you're going to sit uh, down. Yeah, the, the, and that's the it. parallels are, are yeah, astounding. Exactly. Right? They're there. I'm not being misogynist. I'm just pointing it out. Yeah, yeah. Why I said that? Yes, defensive a little bit. No, not at all. I'm just saying. <laughs> that that's, that's it's hard out there for a pimp. That's all yeah, I'm saying. It's hard out there. Yes, we do, we do not advocate, uh, you know, adding things to the bamboo that you give women or no. anything like that. That's insanity. But that's I am crazy saying the talk. Chinese have taught me that I, that's why I'm growing bamboo out back. It's weird that the Chinese are in charge of mating pandas when the Chinese really have a problem with mating themselves. There's like a huge uh, divide in China because they have that, you know, so many children policy. It's creating this huge issue where there's an overabundance of men and a very small amount of women. And also their traditions play into issue as well because men... In, in Chinese, uh, you know, society, I guess the, the, the concept is that when a woman marries a, marries a man, the man is supposed to take care of both his family and her family. Right. So it's become like a buyer's market. Like men have to like strut themselves out in these grand, you know, processions to attract women because women only want men that are wealthy enough to to care for both her family and their own family. So like things like looks and and personality and appearance aren't really a factor anymore. It's what can you do for me now? You know? So it's like, like that's horrible. Yeah. It's, it's completely fucked up. And then Japan has its own fucked up issues. Like they've, they have like a whole problem because people aren't fucking in Japan. Yeah. But that's based around the fact that they built their society on when, okay. So after the bomb, and I got to say that, (laughs) They decided they, they had a plan. They're formulating a plan on how to rebuild right. a better industrious way. And it worked. Yeah, It yeah. worked really good. And everybody's super... Su- they treat their high school, their junior high really is where it starts, like college. Right. They start immediate. Get used to it because this is what it is going forward. And you got to apply for schools yeah. and whatnot at that age. And it's all about success and drive. And what they found is is that the the men, because it's there's so, so much focus on being really good, right? And what they do, yep. that these guys will do nothing but excel. Right. Research in, excel, in whatever research. subject they've... Uh... Doesn't matter what it is. Right. And so, yeah, they're trying to get them to find other things. But then they've also discovered there's a lot of weirdness that comes out of Japan. Yeah. Because when these guys do <laughs> yeah. take hiatus, no <laughs> when they do take a hiatus, they're like going, oh, well, there's... I missed out on vagina. But, you know, yeah. what's all this weird trend now? And then they don't know, or they're weird TV shows. Yeah. Like, their media is changing to kind of get them interested. That's where you see the, completely baffling to me, the newscaster who strips. <laughs> like, I was like, what? To get them to watch the news, that's what goes on. Like, why would you do that? Naked newscasters and, and shit, when I was, yeah. when I was researching that, they were. it's not because news doesn't sell or that we need help with the ratings. It's because they want to reach and kind of intrigue and titillate. Right. Uh, that male half of society gets them to go, hey, will you go make more of us? <laughs> like, will you figure it out? Will you do the Yeah, hey, um, we, we understand that you want to work in Excel. And the same thing goes for the women, too, apparently. Like, the, it's it's uh, less of a desire to find someone to invest your time and energy in to, you know, have a child to do that whole mate and procreate type of thing. It's 
you know, I want to be the best at what I do. And that's where all of my focus is. And I don't have time for anybody else. Right. And, you know, uh, like sex and sexual experiences, that's just a response. Right. You know, it's, it's not fundamentally necessary. Uh, I, I, I feel like there's a whole level of um, release that one needs that I think that that's the only thing that provides that, you know, either well, jerking off or having sex. It's it's really kind of an American ideal because it's been sensationalized in everything oh, you yeah. do yeah. and what goes on. Though you get absorbed and then we're allowed to be obsessed yeah. uh, with the sexual half of it. The science behind it, though, and I think that's what they get into is the relationship part yep. of it. Their relationship would be, you know, this is just, I am no expert. Just what I've read, what I've seen. Oh, yeah, we're, we're completely armchair in here. Um, what, what I've seen, though, is that they, they more are about, like, oh, so what is it that you do for a living? Why do this, that, and the other? Oh, we can Well, how does, that contem- how, how does that uh, compliment me? And- well, well, this is what I do, <laughs> right. so naturally you can see, based on what we do in our walks of life and what we know, we're compatible. This will work out. Right. It's not about the emotion. It's right. not about the, the attraction. It's about the, uh, you know, the, the very down-to-earth... What what do you do that compliments me that we can compliment each other? Right. And uh, you know, it's a it's a, a marriage marriage of convenience. It's the reverse of what we do. Right. You know what I mean? And that's and that's you know well, and, and I don't know how much they get into like bullshit love stories and, and all that. Like the, our culture is very much a culture of, you know, you're gonna find Mr. Right. You're gonna find that person. Like we're we're completely bound to like the concept of soulmates and and you know look look at television look at movies like you know how many how many notebooks are there you know what i mean like like you're gonna find that perfect person that person that just speaks to your soul nah probably not that's not really and and it's not you're not gonna find them you're gonna create them right you're gonna be and it's the truth with anybody even if all relationships are relationships your relationship with your parents, your relationships with the rest of your family, friends, your lovers. Yep. They all require work. They all require effort and exploration. And when you go and do these things, and, and if you go in with this false pretense, like, right? Like, right. you know, did it hurt? You know, you're at a bar and someone says that line, <laughs> did it hurt? What? When you fell from heaven. <laughs> you know? It's like, Let me ask you a question. Have you ever used a pickup line? Have I? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Did it work? Uh, no. And and why it didn't work is because uh, my dear old dad, um, I love him to death, and he told me, <laughs> "Don't don't." Everyone does it once. I'm I'm gonna tell you like this: say what comes from the heart, and that's that, and leave it at that. Everything else is bullshit. But everyone goes through it. You're gonna hear from a friend mm-hmm. of a friend to give it a shot. Try it once. Right. So here's me. I'm in Arkansas Tech. Right, Russellville campus, macking it up. Girls shooting pool. I'm in there. I got my hair gelled back. You know, I'm wearing my fraternity uh-huh. shirt. You know, doing my thing. Showered all nice. And I come walking up, and the line was it was it was retarded. <laughs> it was retarded. Like I, I gotta share it, but it's, it's just dumb. I'm just prefacing it. Walked up and I said, I said to her, "Oh man, you know, you have the prettiest eyes. Your mother has good taste." <laughs> she looked me dead in my eyes and she's like dude I, I didn't have a choice we can't have that you know she told me point blank she goes i didn't i didn't have a choice in the matter and she goes so what's your next pickup line and i, I looked her dead in her eye. you know what i have to actually pull out the paper and get back to you on that she goes pull out the paper i wrote down five things i could possibly say to you <laughs> and the first one that came to mind was the only one i cared about and that's a shit shot down no big deal she goes what was it 
all of a sudden walk up and tell you that I have money in my pocket, you look bored, let's go get dinner and let's go see a movie. And she goes, well, that one works. And I was like, are you kidding me? She goes, no. I was like, oh, okay. And so, but, you know, we went as friends. Yeah, it's not really a corny thing. You know. But I want to tell you, we went as friends. Do you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> Friend farmed. Yeah. Immediately. When that's round two. And the whole time she's ribbing me. She goes, you know, no guy's ever tried to use a pickup line on me. Really, Hick? I didn't know that. <laughs> why? Because I'm from up north and I gave it a shot and it's dumb. <laughs> that's why. Well, I wonder where the concept of fucking pickup lines even came from. Because I've never heard of one working ever in the history i think sorry. it came up from uh, the idea of them sock hops How very distracting you know when i don't answer a phone you don't need to leave me a voicemail it's <laughs> <laughs> so i know you called like but it's important uh, so i i really feel that voicemail is the most worthless fucking thing ever because i don't i know you called i got caller id everyone in the world has caller id can i can i can I tell you something you can I'm going to be brief. It's great for professionals, I'm sure. I'm not, I'm not going to gripe. I like saying that, but mm-hmm. it's a preface. So. Um, it means what I'm going to say. Probably not that all the entertaining, but you know I woke up today and I had, I had to call the doctors to straighten some uh-huh. BS out. Every time I've called this doctor's clinic, it's a whole clinic, a whole fleet of businesses uh-huh. under the same branch. I've called them over the last 15 years every single time. You may wait five minutes. I get to talk to a nurse. Yeah. Well, someone figured out voicemail right and now when you call in you just get the voicemail yeah and you're supposed to wait you're in a cycle of queue right so i get the return call day and she and it's the nurse and she goes just want to let you know i got the message and i passed it along to your doctor now i told her that skipping a beat so why are you calling back if you're not the doctor And she tells me, she goes, well, it's protocol that we call you to let me know we got the message. Right. I was like, the point of a voicemail is that I left the message for you to get and give to the doctor so that the doctor could get to me. You're, you're, you're adding a step that's not needed. So right. now when I anticipate this call to get the info, it's not who I wanted to talk to. Well, now I got to wait. And she, and she goes, well, Mr. Batten, I don't know why you called. So wait a minute. You got a message you didn't even lead, listen to? To tell me you're going to pass it on to the doctor who hasn't even heard it yet. Right. I'm just pointing that out. That's why, that's why to me, voicemail, I'm with you. If someone leaves me a voicemail, they better add, like, if there's any way, if they give you the option on the, on the Sprint voice messaging network, pound star to, to yell at his, to have the phone blow up so he knows, <laughs> you know, whatever. I don't know what to do. Basically, you're going to have to do something right. pretty impressive. Well, you, you know, I, I look at it like this. as uh, For a business, I can understand having voicemail. You don't know why somebody called because you don't necessarily know their number. Right. But let's say, I don't know, you're in my phone book. <laughs> let's say I've known you for, I don't know, 34 years, which is a long time considering I'm 34 years old. Are we getting where this is going? Oh, I know. who. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you left a voicemail earlier, you know, like two hours ago, hour and a half ago. Um, it probably went to my phone, you know. You know, when it doesn't go to your phone, usually when you call someone and, and their voicemail doesn't pick up, it's because like their voicemail's full or they haven't set up voicemail. But assume, you know, technology being what it is, if I called you and left you a voicemail an hour and a half to two hours ago, you don't need to leave me another one. People text. Yeah. Yeah. People text. Old people. Look, old people, go with the program. You know, I, I would talk to you if you, if you text messaged, if 
if the person that I'm referring to, who I'm not naming by name, because that would just make me seem like a complete asshole. If, if this person or people, uh, got with the fucking program and learned how to text message, uh, they'd probably talk to me a lot more because I don't like talking on the phone. That's like, uh, I'm going to throw my brother under the bus. Uh, I called him. I didn't even call him. I'm sorry. I texted him at like noon and I was like, Hey, are you at work? That was what I sent him. So like 45 minutes later, he calls me instead of going, yes, I'm at work. He calls me and he's like, Hey, what's up? And I'm like, uh, what are you doing? And he's like, Oh, I'm at work. And I'm like, uh, okay. Oh, what'd you call for? Well, I wanted to see if you were at work, but since you're at work, never mind. Like, I, you know, and I was like, I, I texted you to see if you're at work. Cause I wanted to see if you want to be in the podcast. You are at work. You could have literally just texted me instead of wasting my fucking time and making me answer your call. Like, uh, granted, I don't have minutes. I'm not like. So, I got to tell you what's weird about you and me to the world. Uh-huh. Apparently, you and me believe in things like etiquette. Yeah. Right. Number one, etiquette relating to texting and messaging. Right. Maybe not in everything clearly, but uh, on that at least, that if I call you and I don't leave a voice message, I was trying to get a hold of you, and it's probably really important because it's why I called you. Yeah. Thus, it's immediate. Yeah, to, to me, a so, phone call is important. So that means I'm willing to waste your money in minutes or what have you on yeah. your cell because that's what everybody has nowadays. Um, that's that's the point. I need to talk to you now in the immediate. Right. If I text you, that means it's time stamped. Right. It's not super urgent. Right. But it's I am trying to get a hold of you. You look down. If it's interesting, great. Right. If not, there you go. It, to me, and that's that. To me, a phone call serves the purpose of disrupting whatever you're doing. I need your undivided attention immediately right? because I'm calling you. I need to talk to you right now. And so if people call me, uh, with the exception of a few people who, again, don't seem to understand text messaging, <laughs> uh, you know, if, if that person calls me, I'm pretty much guaranteed there's nothing important going on there. That's just the only way you have getting in touch with me because you don't get buttons. So I get that. But anyone that's under the age of 40 if you call me, now I'm assuming there must be an emergency because it's time sensitive. You need, you need to talk to me right now. Right. So to me, it's like a con game. I'm going to answer your call because I'm concerned. What's going on? This must be important. Text messaging means, hey, idly, I need to get in contact with you. I, I need to have a conversation with you. But it's not super imperative that I contact you immediately. <laughs> that exception being like, uh, you know, relationship type shit. So like, we're time Nazis. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I, I sold, I sold cell phones for almost 11 years and I hate them. I don't, I, I don't care for them. To me, it's like a leash. Like I, if I don't have the phone with me, I feel, I don't know, like I feel good. Like right. I don't have this thing, but I don't like talking on the phone. I don't enjoy it. Because, like I said, to me, there's a sense of urgency. I guess it probably has something to do with the way I was raised, which was there was a very simple concept. If you're going to get on the phone, say what you got to say and get the fuck off. Well, if I have text messaging, I don't even have to do that. I can just go, hey, Bob, what do you want for dinner? Right. And you go, you know, oh, let me put down my controller. Oh, let me, you know, turn the sink off, dry my hands off. Uh, you know, I want a chicken wing. What, you know, what, what the fuck ever. It's not super imperative. I don't have to fucking call you and be like, Hey Bob, uh, uh, I was just, no, get off the phone. You don't fucking need that. Don't call me. 
Don't call me. No. Word to my friends, don't call me. <laughs> don't call me. <laughs> Unless it's a fucking emergency, don't dial my number. Text me. <laughs> so there's a, there's a concept uh, that, that was also here because we're just segueing here. Um, spitballing. Can I tell you? <laughs> I hate that term. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a complete corporate term. I'll just spitball in here. Are you? Let me show you what a spitball looks like to remind you. <laughs> right. I used to do those. Detention sucked. Okay. It's 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 the most ridiculous. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous term that basically means you're throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks. Right. Right. And and it's disgusting. Like there was nothing more vile and revolting as a child than getting hit with a spitball. That's correct. Actually, I'll take it back. Wet Willie was the worst. Wet Willie was like getting. You, it, but That's at least Wet Willie. Wet Willie, you had to get close. So you had to expect to get a knife, like, you know, or a punch in the liver or something. But like a, a spitballer was, you know, the asshole that sat in the back of class and you'd be sitting there minding your own business and suddenly something wet would slap against the back and of your head. And how you would sit there? Everyone in class knew this little asshole. Uh-huh. You hear him tear up strips of paper uh-huh. and somehow only the teacher was oblivious to it. Yep. The sound of tearing paper should have, everyone heard it, yep. was like, what the hell is he, oh, and, man. And, and now as an adult, I have this perspective on that, on teachers and, and shit like that. The teacher was probably like, this little asshole is going to start shooting fucking spitballs. I don't want to deal with that. I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to not pay attention. I'm going to let these fucking little assholes handle it themselves. <laughs> I'm going to let them work it out. So one time, I remember sitting in class, and for like, we're talking freshman year, this, this kid would sit in the back and he's just throwing spitballs, acting a fool, uh-huh. gets detention, gets in trouble, gets detention, gets in trouble, still doing it. Uh-huh. And it's not offensive enough to be expelled. Right. Just enough to keep his Saturdays it's busy. It's just an annoyance. That's it. This, this guy got so sick of it uh, that he confronts him, right? And when he confronts this, hey, knock it off with the spitball and whatever, that kid beats him up. Right, the spitball kid he, beats up. Yeah, the, he just up and beats us. He was like, "Okay." So spitballer's a fucking complete asshole. He's gone for two weeks, uh-huh. right? You know, booted out for two weeks, suspended. He gets back, blah blah blah. Learns his lesson, whenever. Except about a week later, tearing up a sheet of paper. Asked this girl, right, uh-huh. the cheerleader. I thought she was a cool chick, right? She's, she's from town, no big deal. But you know, everyone has a threshold, and it's always the most unlikely people. Yep. She's a cheerleader, good-looking chick. Always a straight-A student. Never never had a bad word for anybody, seemingly. This guy starts chewing up a piece of paper that she gave him. And I watched her look at him. Didn't say a word. And he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> Flings it or spits it. I forget what it was, but I remember her reaction. She picked up her chair, because this is before the era that everything's attached to the desk. Uh-huh. Or bolted to the floor. And this is probably why it's bolted to the floor. She stood up and in one motion grabbed the chair and whipped it at him. <laughs> and she just yelled, how does it feel? How does it feel? You stole my sheet of paper and you throw it everywhere. You're nasty. You're nasty. You're nasty. And the shock that hit everybody. And with me, it was the laughter. I was laughing hysterically. Because <laughs> when he got beamed in the head, he had no idea. He was so defenseless to the fact that Hot Chick isn't going to do anything. Oh, wing. Oh. <laughs> His hands didn't come up. Nothing. She just tattooed him. I I adore that. I got a threshold, Jules. I got a threshold. It, it just it was reached. <laughs> it was like the one the one white knight stood up and you handled that one. Yeah. And that, I, I want I want to mention this real quick because I feel it's very important to my comfort and conversation. If we have any friends out there and you ever feel like, I don't know, donating to the show, I would appreciate it. That'd be cool. The first thing that you want to donate. If you're ever going to do that, if you're ever going to bug up your ass, like, hey, I'm not asking, but I'm just saying, 
fucking desk chairs, some fucking office chairs. Holy shit, this chair is uncomfortable. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Just to paint the picture for you, I'm sitting at the computer desk. Like I said, we've kind of had to rearrange because now, you know, we've got the mixer set up. We've got the, you know, the stereo headphone uh, amplifier and all that. So, you know, we can listen to ourselves while we do this. We can listen to shit, you know, uh, in the recording in real time, blah, blah, blah. It's all very cool. I'm sitting on this broke down ass fucking $20 Walmart chair. This thing is like a piece of steel <laughs> combined with a piece of steel for the back. It is the most uncomfortable. If I stand up on this chair on the actual quote unquote cushion, there's like four little divots worn out where the fucking bolts are at. That's how uncomfortable this shit is. Like this sitting in this chair is like sitting on the sidewalk. I'm gonna get fucking piles from sitting in this chair for an hour and a half. So that brings me back to the the all important question. Uh huh. So the hostel. Uh huh. Right. So I like what I you just, did there. That was yeah, a good segue. Absolutely. From hostility to hostel. <laughs> so hostel, another film. Yeah. Uh, that is is that that's not exploitation. It you know it's not, but. It's torture porn. It, 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 so, so I consider it still, it's not exploitation because it's, it's outside of the era of exploitation. I like to think Eli Roth is really great. He's like, uh, he kind of, like, I feel like he's, he's kind of from that Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez. I don't know if you've not heard of Hostel. Eli Roth directed. Yes. He did Hostel. That, that's it. For a frame of reference, if you've seen Inglorious Bastards, Eli Roth is the bear Jew. Eli Roth is uh, uh, like a throwback to... <laughs> like Eli a, Roth is the bear Jew. <laughs> yeah, and if you don't know, he's just a Jewish bear. Right. He, he's just a guy that makes movies. If Look, if you don't know who fucking Eli Roth is he's and you're listening to this podcast, I don't know. That's allow us to... Uh, incredibly anti-Semitic. To, to, yes. Let, let's not be racist totally. You know, I mean, it's... But yeah, his character in the movie is the bear Jew. He beats, he beats Nazis with bats. We're all for him. We're rallying around him. But anyways, he makes films in a style that is, uh, you know, either paying homage or or borrowing heavily from exploitation films. He's actually got two movies out right now. So would The Bear Jew? Two movies. Be the antithesis, like the rival of Brambles, the Bible Bear? Uh, He may be the father of Brambles, the Bible Bear. That's kind of warped. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean you, you could have called him like Toby the Torah Bear. I don't, I don't know. Like, Toby the Torah Bear. I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> <I> was... <laughs> I don't know. But, right. but anyways, Brambles, uh, Brambles definitely comes from the woods, but he's not Jewish. He's he's, uh, um, you know, he's Christian. He's a Bible Bear. He's a Bible know? Bear. But uh, not super Christian. He's just mostly about murdering. Brambles, the Bible bear. I, I think that I think that Brambles <laughs> is under the impression that if you hold a Bible while you rend children limb from limb, that somehow makes it okay. That's true. You know, Brambles is an important bear. He's got things to do. Look, and, and maiming is one of them. The fucking uh, the the uh, that fucking church cult, the fucking West Bep, uh, the Westboro Baptist Church. Yeah, those people. I don't know why I couldn't squeeze that out of my face, it but okay. uh, you know, I mean, they do everything with the Bible, so you know, it's it's the same thing. It's just if you took them to the logical conclusion, you'd have Brambles the Bible Bear, <laughs> and and all he wants to do is he wants to make sure that you're brushing your teeth, you're saying your prayers, and that you know you've been fattened up because you're juicy and good. That's it. You know, <laughs> that's it. Brambles likes to hide outside your window and tap, just. <laughs> 
ever so gently on the glass until you wake up. And then because you woke up, you weren't sleeping like a good child, and he tears your head off. That's what he does. Yeah. So if you ever hear a tapping on your window late at night, it was probably brambles. And uh, that's... Mostly in the rural areas. The more you know. Yeah. Uh, Toby the Torah Bear, his cousin, generally sticks more to the cities. But he's not real big on murder. He's just He just wants to shame you. He's more into guilt. I don't. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a religious thing or what, but you know, I, <laughs> Toby the Torah Bear, <laughs> <laughs> or or uh, it could even be. I don't know why we're doing this, but it could be Tor. Uh, could be Toby the Torah Tiger, and Brambles the Bible Bear. Toby the Torah Tiger is pretty. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty scary. Yeah, but he's like, you don't want to read. All right, well that's your loss. I guess. I guess you don't want to read. In that case, <laughs> we're gonna make a chicken melt bomb. <laughs> <laughs> gonna mail it and, to your uh, house. If I get hungry, I might eat. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Well, it's totally. I, I, do you know any Jewish people? I don't. I don't. I do Jewish actually. People. I've never. I don't think I've ever met any. They're like and they don't uh, sound like that at all. No, I actually know. I know a girl who's in Mazad from Israel. Yeah, and uh, she works. Well, those for, are those are different. It's well. Hang on, <laughs> hang on. Okay, so all kinds, right? All kinds. So. Uh, yeah, you met them and they don't. No, they don't. In fact, I know that they they laugh at the the common, <laughs> you know, hey lady. You know, obviously one actor is where that voice comes well, from. Well, I'm feeling very unsure of myself right now. <laughs> I'm feeling very unclean. I don't. Excuse I me. don't really know what to think about this podcast. Block. This is, <laughs> I this, thought this was about horror films. I don't understand what's going on here. <laughs> right. You know, it's it's, it's over exaggerated yeah, on purpose, no, and no. that itself is exploitive. Yeah, it is. So. It is. But I think it's okay if you frame it in the reference of a joke. Right, correct. It's yeah, humor it's, yeah. gone. Because, you know, we clearly know Jewish people don't sound like that. Anybody knows me, unless you as well, we share the same uh, affliction, that a joke is not good until it's ran to the ground. Oh. It's got to go to its inevitable conclusion. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 You just repeat it and repeat it and repeat it until it no longer has any meaning. And yeah. And then, you know, it's like a, like a bowl of shrimp. If you just say shrimp like 10 times, shrimp doesn't mean anything anymore. It's like, what is that word? It's actually not true. Rap has proven to us that if you say anything repeatedly, <laughs> it's catchy. Yeah. As long as you have a beat behind it. A beat. <laughs> <laughs> there's this thing on YouTube that, uh, that B-Wood sent. Did you see it on my Facebook page? I did not. There's this guy where he compares rap music of old versus uh-huh. rap music today. I saw it, but I didn't watch the video. So the video is amazing. To watch this guy from, you know, does a hardcore uh-huh. riff. All I'm going to say is, is that he compares Lil Wayne uh-huh. to making, you know, obviously he's modern, making a rap song to the Ghostbusters theme, trying to claim that it's legitimate. <laughs> like he made this beat. He was up, he goes, hey, I need something for Halloween. Rip it. Dan it, dan it, dan it. Like literally that's what's going on is the Ghostbusters theme. Uh-huh. And then raps about nonsensical stuff. And that was his example. I say this because you look it up on YouTube. Obviously, I'm not doing it justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact is that Halloween what is, is what we're about. I'm trying to save us. Old rappers versus new ones? Yeah, absolutely. I would, yeah, I would, I would very much like to see this. Old rap versus... That is not rap. That's rare, which is a type of compression file. Old rap versus new rap. Was it a Vine? Like a short video? Might have been. It's just, there's, there's a guy wearing a headset, I believe, on it with glasses. Like he's buying some computers when it starts. Um, I should probably look on Facebook. That yeah, just look easy. on my page. It's still there. I didn't... Uh... 
I didn't remove it. It was posted was, to the front. Stalin, man, you know, like it's just not Stalin. It's such a Stalin. Look, I'm doing my thing. Right? Doing my thing, you know what I'm saying? Look, man, it's MC Poople, so I got to represent. Oh, here it is. Yeah, you know? rappers back in the day versus rappers now. Uh, gotta have sound. Yeah, sorry. This is this is apparently rappers Not today. Doesn't even make any sense. I love he's got the fucking uh, auto tune on his voice too. I'm driving that brand new Bugatti. Your girl got a measure lamby. I got that Whitney and Bobby. Monday faster than Ricky and Bobby. Some shit. Fifty clip for my forty cap. Red bone for my red bone. Galaxy in my dreams. Call that bitch my headphone. Bad bitch with attitude. She just mad cause I won't fuck. Throw a brick in my Rolls Royce. Call her a Ghostbuster. Banana Republic, Canada Dry, Applebee's, Applebee's on it. Got that purple and I keep them on Donna like Tony. If you got beef, if you got beef, we could pull up any day. Saturday, Sunday, January, Tuesday. Hey, maybe I should be a barber. <laughs> wow. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. It's, but it's true. Yeah. If you listen, it, it truly is that. I mean, that's what I, uh, it, it was great. I was glad he found that, uh, showed that to me. Uh, the, uh, but even, even though that, I honestly think that rap is a type of exploitation music anyway, uh, for, for a lot of what it does, uh-huh. uh, showcases, right? Um, not to turn this about that, but we know the origins of hip hop and then turned to gangster rap. Right. And why they call it gangster rap was cause it was gangster themed. Right. That was a point. That's where it came from. So it was, you know, it was talking about the subject matter at hand. But now rap's gone corporate, oh, yeah. which is the point. Horribly so. Any of those rappers will tell you they did it to make it. That, that's why. You wanted to get a corporation to get interested in you, to try to battle your stuff, because that's when you start making bank. Make all them cheddar, you know? Right. Make them dollars. That's the, that's the point. But uh, that's just, hey, still on the topic of exploitation, right? <laughs> um, but to, to bring it back full circle... Uh, to get back to what we were talking on, um, the film Cannibal Holocaust, and, and yes, this is that's when we derailed, by the way. When that, we, and that was at the start. That's correct. We <laughs> derailed out the gate. That doesn't really matter. Out the gate, we, son. Look, uh, here, here, I've explained it a couple of times, and uh, all, all uh, naysayers aside, because I've only ever had one, and that motherfucker is dedicated to a topic, concept and lock, stock, barrel. Look, you start with an idea, right? Right. Right. And and I, I this is not a formal fucking like we're not a debate team. No, we are not on a we are not on a debate team and it's 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 called nerd words, not specific nerd topic for your personal enjoyment. It's it's a podcast. It's not a TV show. Right. You know, it's not a it's not a long form film. You know, conversation in its natural form, it flows. It ebbs, man. It is what it is. It goes to, it goes to and fro. 
It's just that I ran out. Of, here's here's the thing. When I bring it back full circle, uh -huh. that's when I as Bob. You was like, I ran out of shit to say. I ran out of road. <laughs> so, I ran out of look, road. I'll break it down for you like this. If if this was like um like uh FTW, um Mark Maron's podcast, it's, right. it's a great example of an hour-long podcast where what he does is he interviews people for his podcast. Right. You know, had Obama on, he's had all kinds of stars, super famous people. You know, if if your format is an interview format, you know, you don't want to go off on random tangents. But even then, sometimes you do because that's where you get the best shit. Yep. But we guess what? We don't have anybody famous on here. <laughs> we don't we don't have anybody where we're like, you've all been dying to hear the interview that I'm gonna have with Bob. I've got all these great questions, and I'm going to get in deep in Bob's brain. No, that's not what this is. There's it's people bullshitting to I'm, hopefully entertain other people while they do it. I want you to know I, I am kind of famous. You're kind of a big deal. Kind I'm of important. kind of a big deal. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you kind of, kind of. Jen Connors know me. Okay, yeah. I, there, there's at least 100 people that are full on all about Bob. That's what I'm saying. And, and that's cool. I like them. That's uh, <laughs> I like those people. I, I like what they do. I like it, where they're going. It doesn't matter. What the they fuck is with the alarms, the dude? I need to stop setting alarms for four o'clock. You know that's that's how that's how bad your sleep schedule is when you have to set an alarm for four o'clock to make sure you don't miss the day. <laughs> <laughs> that's if that's if you're not awoken by the the our, our African neighbors having a fire sale or or the fucking garbage truck that picks up three times a week. I've I've never seen a place that was more full of garbage trucks picking up constantly like you'd think that this place was just exploding trash from all doors at all times i just wish that you had a video when you said that because i don't know why you couldn't <laughs> say the word exploding without air humping i don't understand <laughs> why you had exploding <laughs> around the gun i'm it's thrusting my crotch <laughs> <laughs> that's just a natural thing i don't i don't really know why explode <sighs> like if you were in front of like a, a military congress pitching a new style of grenade you made <laughs> what you got to do is push the button uh you prime it for if you want it, three seconds or five right there it's touch and once you have that set you whip it and then wait three wait for the time seconds usually three seconds and then it explodes right. all over the battlefield <laughs> just to look at her face <laughs> the hell did he just do right what the fuck dude you don't need to air thrust you don't need to mock <laughs> having sexual relations with the air when you talk about things exploding i don't know it's just a natural reaction i guess i don't know so of uh of the, of the non-explosive topic of the original topic uh -huh. um what is your favorite um aspect of jaws um i i like the the way that it's shot best um, one of the things that, uh, um, that's unique about the way that that film is shot is, uh, especially when they're on the boat, like the, the camera is very low to the water. I, we're going to get real dorky here for a second, but, I asked. um, you know, the, the way that that movie is shot, it gives you a feeling of being in the water of, of, of being on a boat with those people. Like there, there is no issue with having filmed that movie with a steady cam. When they're on a boat, that camera didn't have to bounce up and down and give you that feeling of 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 you know like nauseousness right. that you would get from being on a boat. Um I think that as far as like Steven Spielberg is concerned, I think that it was it was very a very brilliant way of filming that movie. Like, I don't really give a rat's ass about the shark, but there's a there's another thing too, and I don't know if Steven Spielberg's necessarily um to blame or or 
to be rewarded for Did it. Did you just refer to Steven Spielberg as the Spielbergs? Did I? Like the Liam I hope Neil- not. Like the Liam Nielsen. Liam Nielsen's. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> uh, if I did, I apologize. Steven Spielberg. But there's a scene where, um, what's his name? The guy with the glasses. I'm sorry, I'm brain farting here. Um, but the 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 scientist is sitting on the beach, and the police chief is out in the water. Right. And they're, um, you know, one's watching the other, and the kid gets eaten. That's the end result. But <clears throat> every time the 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 field of vision changes, it's because somebody walks in front of the camera. So like every time there's like a color, you know, like a yellow bathing suit that kind of flashes by and the field of vision changes and it creates this kind of like weird sensation in your brain. That's the thing that I like about movies that a lot of people I think just casual observers don't really get is that like weird kind of like focus changes or weird camera tilts that create like a feeling of of dread or create a, you know, they create an emotion in you. It's because you go to school for it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't go to school for you, filmmaking per se. I well, go to school for broadcasting, but yeah. You got, got an aspect <clears throat> of filmmaking and the shots and how to do yeah. lighting and all that. So I think you know all that. I think the casual observer, like you said, wants to be entertained. Right, and they do, but it's all those little things that go into it that, that it creates sensations in your mind that at the time that you're watching it, you don't necessarily think about or you don't necessarily give a shit about unless they're jarring. You know, unless they're incredibly like if you watch uh, uh, the Blair Witch Project, that movie's difficult to watch more than once because of how it's filmed, because it's filmed in a way that I thought jarring. it was because it sucks. Well, you know, it really doesn't because <clears throat> it, it it's it's not a movie I'd ever want to watch more than once. But it basically created an entire genre of film that didn't exist before it. And so so in that sense, it is a classic. It is a, a great movie. I will having never that, agree with you on that term. Having said that, I don't want to watch it more than once. I've never watched it a second time. Bla- Blair Witch is everything I think that is wrong and, uh, with and, the direction and I, they went into a horror film. I, I get what you're saying with that. And, you know, that's 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 a popular opinion, and I'm not going to dispute you. I don't enjoy the movie per se, but I'm just giving it the credit that, you know, you wouldn't have, for good or for ill, you wouldn't have a Paranormal Activity franchise. You wouldn't have... Which also sucks. You wouldn't have movies like Wreck. You wouldn't have movies like... Like, movies that are filmed, you wouldn't have, like, a Cloverfield. You know, and and say what you want about those movies. Not everybody enjoys them. Some people hate them. But they're they're popular. As you know, my opinion is the only opinion. (laughs) Um, So, I actually... By the way, I've never disputed that. Uh, The reason why my opinion is my only opinion is because we are all selfish at heart. That's what it is. Am I subject to have my opinion changed? Yeah, if you can give me a different perspective on it, I do right. that often. But I'm also not afraid to sit here and have somebody go, well, you know what, Bob? Your ice cream isn't the only flavor. It is when I buy it. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> you, you, are, you are right in the only place it matters, which is your own head. <laughs> right, there That's, it is. You know. Now, why do they suck? Because I do not like that. When I watch a film, remember us going over to Chance's house and he has that like 4K Dick TV? Where yeah. everything you watch in it looks like you're sitting in the front I, row I don't of a know. theater performance. It, it here's the thing with that. I, I don't even know that 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 TV's like 4K or whatever. But there's something about that television where if I watch a TV show, and we'll use the example that I experienced, when you watch Strain here on your TV, yep. you got a 1080p whatever. 1080p HD. Yep. And there's a there's a, a the the show looks like film. Yeah. It looks it's it looks as if it's shot at twenty four frames per second. There's a there's a a general look to that 
type of, of stock, whether it's filmed digitally or not, it's replicating that warmth of, of, of film. When I watched that same show over there on that television, it looked like it was filmed with a digital camera. So it looked more like I was in the room, but for whatever reason that pulled me out of the, the fantasy of watching a movie. It looked like it right. was it was filmed on a fucking handheld video camera. I'm not a fan of 4K, and I only state it because I, you know, when studying it, you don't have to know the tech for work and all right. that. Um, they say, you know, you know, HD is, is is for watching a film. HD is for looking through a window. And and that's that's horseshit. And to me, and to me, when I look out in my, my opinion, right? Well, when I look out a window, it's it's reality. Right. Okay. That that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate well to fantasy land. Let's let's make sense. There's been trillions trillions of dollars spent over the years, more than that, and just movies and entertainment alone to give that suspension of disbelief every time a film's on. There's a certain look to it, right? And there's only a certain amount your eye can even pick up. And right. guess what? They already figured it out. They already figured it out. That's why a theater uses a certain speed because it's trying to get as much going on film that your right. eye can pick up. But it stops there. Right. They could go higher. But they yeah, stop absolutely, there absolutely. because they, they want you to see what it is Because that's, that's, that's the look and the feel of film. This it's, is not the trash, and I want to say this, not the trash chance. Where I am no, a no. tech, I'm a tech fan, he's a techie. Right. If it's the latest in technology, he'll get it just because. Right? Yep. You may not even see it or use the difference. He may not even use it. It's a expensive paperweight. He will go for it. That's just to defend the man. I appreciate his drive for, for the hobby. But uh, the fact is, is that when I see stuff like that, and then you take films, right, and put it in there, it can ruin a film. Right. Like, I, I, I truly, when I saw the strain on there for that, it ruined it for me. Absolutely. I couldn't watch could, the series. I was like, it, it, it was so bad I couldn't watch it. I, had to, I actually had to leave. Right. And here's, here's what I think 4K is great for if you want to get a 4K TV, uh, just to kind of piggyback on, on what you were saying. It's great for video games. Yeah. You want to get a 4K TV? Use it for video games. If you wanna, if you wanna, fucking sorry, I'm like having serious issues with this damn mic. Stay, behave, sit. Good dog. If if you want, if you want to watch television, I don't think you need to go any higher than 1080. And and uh, again, the 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 resolution of the television doesn't necessarily make or break the whatever you're watching if if you're watching a film that was made for 4k great watch it if that's what it was made for a lot of it has to do with frame rate and if you watch a, a movie like um the the hobbit films the hobbit films were shot at i believe 48 or 60 frames per second and what happens is your brain interprets that information differently so it looks different so when i'm watching the Hobbit, or you know what, the, what, whatever the last one was in the newer trilogy, Desolation of Smog. Um, the, no, the the one after that, or maybe it was that one. I don't know, but anyways, it doesn't matter. I'm watching one of the fucking Hobbit movies, and it, everything just looked fake to me. Everything, like I, my brain instantly could tell the difference between a real person and CGI. Right, and it was because it's filmed in such a way that that sort of seamless molding of the two where your your eyes are interpreting a slower frame rate it's like it 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 helps it blend together yeah whereas when it's at a higher frame rate now everything kind of separates and everything's like this doesn't look realistic and you know we've we've come far enough along with CGI that you shouldn't really have to worry about that and it wasn't that they necessarily looked fake 
It was just that it looked like guys on a soundstage who were running around against CGI graphics. I don't know. That's just, that's just, uh, do you, so just, just for geek, geekdom, mm-hmm. the frames per second, your eye naturally picks up is up to 18 right? frames per second. That's, that's not necessarily the right. max, but that's what is normal quality does, right. that we can get and memorize and keep. And it's all about memory. Your eyes actually see a hell of a lot more than you think it does, yeah. but your brain doesn't retain that information because it's not relevant right. to what's going on. Um, Einstein figured out that it was 46 frames per second that you can pick up to get a wider vision. Mm-hmm. For instance, um, if you're watching, you know, let's say a brook, a, bu- a bubbling brook in a little waterfall and what have you, you're going to pick that up in segments you're, of what you're looking at. You're not going to pick it up as the total view. When you go to a theater, it sits you down in an attempt to give you the total view, but they know it's going to overwhelm you, but they don't know where in the theater you're sitting. Right. So they use that many frames per second, so what you're getting, you're able to see the action and what's going right. on relatively bigger, bigger parts of it. Now, that's also why you get people who will say, I went to that theater, I didn't see what you saw. Right. Even though you're looking at the same thing. Well, it depends on where <coughs> on the screen you were focusing. Yeah, absolutely. Is where it is. Well, they figured out that if you was any more than 46, film film enjoyment's out the window. Yep. Is what happens when it comes down. That's why when, when all these like game companies and everything are, you know, they tout like, oh, it's at 60 frames per second. I'm like, it doesn't even matter. Your brain can't interpret that. It's a waste. Yes. It's and an absolute waste of time. They're just trying to get you to spend more money because they found a way to push the tech. Right. That's it. They haven't even found a purpose for it yet or what to do with it, but it's coming. That I can assure you, it's coming. Uh, the Xbox One can handle, you know, you know uh, excuse me, um, we just taught 4K. Yeah. It was pre-built to, to anticipate 4K, and uh, they'll update it easily to do a 3D yeah, eventually. It doesn't need to do any of that. It doesn't need to do it at all. But but that, that comes down to the business of technology. Yes. That in order for for technology companies, TV manufacturers, game manufacturers, etc., in order for them to remain viable, a business always has to be improving. Uh-huh. Well, now you're improving past the capacity of human beings. But in order to sell that, what do you have to do? You have to make sure they have a use for it. You have to market the shit out of it. To me, right there, when you do that, when you're writing the the, the angle of latest technology, yeah. like Alienware found this out when, um, who's a what's it? So I can't remember the company now. Dell. Dell does Alienware. They found they made Alienware to be their gaming platform, and they realized it wasn't selling as good. <clears throat> People were asking Alien, you know, asking them for instead of custom built stuff for their top end computers that are commercially sold already. Right? Would this be able to play with it? Yeah, sure. Okay, I'll go with that. Because people are thinking, I need something that can play a game or two, but ultimately I have a use at the house. Right. You, you, want, you want a device that functions on more than just one level. And then Dell was like, oh, well, what are we going to do about Alienware? Well, unless you open it up to the public, you know, in terms of selling it in stores, well, you're not going to have it. Right. Well, now, now, just recently, you start seeing Alienware being sold on the floor so people can see it. And the goal is, is to hype it up. So if you get that game aficionado, it catches their eye and attention. Right. The number one thing they're saying, you know, and just seeing it is like, how heavy this is. Right. Let me... It just enlighten people. The more awesome you want put into a device, the more they're going to have to take away <laughs> right. that you may not have known about that you will notice when right. it's gone. Right. And that's and that's the effect of it because it's a give and take system. I say this about people. Everybody everybody is born with a hundred points. Right. It's a hundred point system. <laughs> yeah. As gamers, we like to to espouse this theory of the hundred point system. It's a character build system, and, and it depends on where you put your hundred points. Yep. You know, you may not yep. have had that choice in life, but hey. You definitely are a 100-point build. Yeah. So the same thing goes for devices. Yep. There's only so much you can make. They figured out that here's the 100 points that make it, that make a good device. Right. Well, 
now do you want more graphics or do you want more speed? It goes with more it, memory. It, and that's 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 with everything too. Yeah. Like like uh you know, we could ask Phil, like cars are kind of that way too. Like you're only gonna get so much in in your product. You can only get so much. At some point, like if you take cars, for example, you know, you, you wanna max that puppy out to as fast as it can possibly go, well then you're gonna lose handling. You know, okay, well, let's fix the handling. Well, now you're going to get weight, which is going to increase your drag, which is going to lower your speed. You know, it's yep. it's it's a give and take. But what I'm pointing out here, and I, you know, kind of elaborate, but it's the morons in marketing. Marketing has not updated their shtick. That's because marketing is the devil. They wanted you. Well, think about it. Back in the day, they were like, well, we really didn't advertise these products. Well, now we have a system of advertising. Right. And it works. And we'll do it. Here it is. Boom. Here, you know, blah, blah, blah. Inundate them constantly. Tell them it's always new. It's always fresh. They should get it. Right. People are more than smart now. They can research anything that comes out. They can truly see how it works. They can see demos of it online. You can do your, all your online shopping, grocery shopping, you name it online and research everything you have in your home, which means marketing is no longer the Wizard of Oz showing us all the tricks. It's the little man behind the curtain that Dorothy finds. I I think that. Like we get your trick. But they like to still think we're dumb. I, I honestly think that companies, major companies, should, and this is piggybacking off of you, they should change the way that they market shit. Yeah. I think that because we're in an era of, of absolute information and you're only going to fool a very small group of people, and that's really what marketing comes down to is fooling people into spending their money. If you have a product, market it in a way that is just telling people this is what it is. This is what it does, and this is what it can do for you. Yep. And allow people to make those decisions themselves. And I think you're gonna you're gonna find people aren't gonna spend less money. Right. People are spending money because people want to spend money. Right. But if you're marketing in a way that's not obtrusive and it's not dazzling and it's not if you stop trying to bullshit people, people are gonna have more tendency, I think, and this is just my opinion, my armchair opinion, people are gonna be more likely to to uh to be brand loyal and that's really what all these companies look at apple wants you brand loyal samsung wants you brand loyal microsoft wants you brand loyal all the major companies now they have this concept of we want our brand to be your brand they want you to be loyal to the brand but they have no idea how to get you there right they they think they do they still think it's a sales numbers game right it's a numbers game if i tell 10 million people about my brand new product and why it's awesome, 100,000 will buy it. Yeah. I don't know about you. Yeah. That ratio sucks. That's an actual statistic. Yeah. It's like a, like a 1%. Like... And, they, and they pitch that as awesome because word of mouth now, that 100,000 yeah. bought it. If it's a quality product, 100,000 people, one person will tell five people about the new product mm-hmm. they bought and why it's awesome. Those five people are more inclined to get it because that one person got it. So now that 100,000 becomes what? A million, or, wow. you know, you know, whatever. It's right. It's it's exponential. That's how you got to look at it. Right. That's why you got to you got to trust us. Right. Bob Marketing. No, it's bullshit. When they talk about when you talk about just now to you know to mm-hmm. go off of you, um, loyal revenue, which is what they refer to that statistic as loyal revenue in business, is somebody who came and bought one product from you and came back to you because you earned their trust because you didn't cram it down their throat. Right. You listened to them. You showed them why it can make a difference. You didn't tell them it would. It has the potential to, right? And they knew they could come back to you if it didn't work out to get another res- to get the different resolution right. of what they're looking for. Now, when they come back to you, it's either to fix something or to add to from your company the services they've already invested. They're investing in you, idiot. 
Right. That's what it is. Right. And when you're the marketing guy, right? That's that's like that guy going around bars because we already broached the topic of my shitty one-line pickup <laughs> skills, right? <laughs> Guys who go around bars and they're like going, man, talk to every girl that moves. They know why you're there. They right. know why they're right. there. And they may not go home with you, but someone they came with is. <laughs> I was right. Uh, yeah. That's that's how I see these businesses of marketing. That's and that's really what it is. It's it's you take creative people. And like nobody that's creative has ever said, you know, I really want to work in marketing. That's really my passion. <laughs> no, that's not what it is. What it is is that you have people that are, are creative and artistic and there's no venue for them because guess what? There's there's no more fucking Leonardo da Vinci's. Sorry, I hate to break it to you. But you take these people and you put them in a job where you're creative. Now make a commercial. Sell my product. Nobody ever gets into art going, man, I really want to fucking work in sales. That shit just doesn't happen. Nope. But guess what? <laughs> That's where it ends up. And by the way, if you work in marketing and that was your dream, you're lying to yourself. That's just, That's just you, you just didn't do a little introspection. Yeah. And, and the fact is, is that when we look at this applied to the movie genre, uh, where you, which is where you really see it, even our movies have changed. They've caught on. We mm -hmm. can't we can't go and show a commercial of, guess what's coming? And they can't just play. Well, they would they would... To articulate this a lot better, back in the day they would they would show you a clip, like maybe maybe fifteen seconds of new horror film, right? Give you a reason not to go back in the water, right? Jaws three, uh, yeah. And I think right? I think that, that yeah, that's now, a little different. Yeah, what they would do is play you little snippets of the actors in the film, and they want to sell on you mm -hmm. the 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 production. Look at how much money we invested in the set, mm -hmm. and look at them; they're on a nice boat. They're fishing. Everything's normal. The underwater shots are beautiful and blue and right. vibrant. And look at the flora and fauna all foot doing their thing. What are you missing by not seeing the film? And then immediately they show you the interesting captain giving some awesome one-liner played by Samuel L. Jackson. Get the hell out of the water! You know, mm -hmm. something like right. that. And they would show that and clip. So basically they play you some of the hot points of the film. And sometimes they, they, they made scenes that they took out of the film and show you. To get you in because they know people are going to go online and they're going to watch this preview to death. Right. Case in point, Star Wars, the new stuff that's yep. coming out, repeated hits, repeatedly being watched. Fans are are mixing. Speaking of which, I, before I forget this, since you just breached this topic, um, supposedly there's going to be another trailer on the 19th. For right. Star Wars, so, so the question is, went a little bit more of a, a sack tap, a little, a little, sack little, tap. little stroke, a little, little bit, little touchy touchy. So this is what I'm meaning, like, and I and I've seen them try to apply this with technology. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, when the uh, when the Xbox One was coming out, they did these like they let the fans all talk about it in this excitement. By the way, there was like something like uh, 70 different configuration possibilities that allegedly the fans came up with. Um, all I'm going to say out of a good source that said. Um, over 30 of those were actually made by Microsoft. <laughs> that they had people who just threw them out of what it right, might they be. Were, they were fan-made, right, fan meaning they were quotes. fans of the Xbox One, right. and so they right. made it themselves of what it could be. Some, by the way, like I believe there were five in there that, we, that, that uh, Microsoft legitimately was kicking around mm -hmm. that they might make, but they did it to hype it, but they did it in a smart way. They know that, that people are going to buy what they're going to buy. Uh -huh. They're excited because it is an upgrade from what was being out before. And they give sack taps, as you called it. <laughs> yeah. Here's a snippet. <laughs> yep. What do you think Here's about a little, it? A little touchy-touchy. Go in the store if you're interested, and we'll tell you all about it. Right? Or yep. go online, and we'll and research it. On these five sites that research things, these are awesome. That's marketing Ow. today as it should be, mm -hmm. but that's not even true marketing that, that's going on. 
Like, right. that's why I don't watch commercials. The number one reason is you have no heart, you're yep. old, and you, you got no way to vibe, you know, to liven yeah, it up. It's, it's garbage. Commercials, we, we, we've dogged commercials to death on I, this podcast. I dog them almost as much as Hank Pym. <laughs> really? How satisfied were you with your experience of upgrading to Windows 10? Well, satisfied enough that you just fucking noised out my goddamn podcast. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about uh, you had that video the the old rappers versus new rappers. Right. Um, I saw this video um, a couple of days ago, and it looks like it was posted a week ago. But uh, it's this uh, skit by a rapper whose name is Hopsin. I'm gonna play it for you because I think it's you probably even watched the video. Let me spin this Man, here. Rap today fucking sucks bad. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. These fools ain't spitting no type of dope shit. But that's not even the bad part. They're not even saying words anymore. They just got a hard-ass fucking beat to trick dumbasses like you to make you think you like the shit. Play that fucking beat. We got some real fucking mentally retarded rappers in the game. I know for a fact nobody know what the fuck these dudes be saying. Wait, turn my reverb and my auto-tune on real quick. This what the fuck they be doing. This, this guy is, this guy's all blinged out. Yeah. <laughs> and the way they're shooting it is like an MTV video. Yeah. You know, painting around back and forth. He's getting out of nice cars, hot women. <laughs> and saying nothing. Telling me is that Mushmouth is the hot, he spits hot fire. <laughs> Mushmouth would be king right now. I'm people tabbing up the circuit bapper, Albert. Watch these dumbasses be like, hey, that shit was hard though, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> And the irony of this is that video has over 4 million views and I believe is his most popular video. That's ridiculous. Well, I mean, actually, no, kudos to him because it should be. Yeah. That's hysterical, but is the point lost is the question. Right. Yeah, that, well, yeah. That's what it <laughs> That's is, distinctly right? possible. There's, there's the point that was made. It's right in front of you. You're right. And it's hysterical to hear and listen to, even funnier to watch. Yeah. But it's, it's the truth. It's sad. Yeah, to put it in perspective, I think the only like the the next highest video count or view count that he has on one of his videos is uh, he's got one that's got like three million. So he, you know he's he's doing fairly well for him. But uh, um, yeah, that that one by far is is the highest viewed video that he has. And if you haven't seen the video, because obviously hearing it, you know it's clowning on right. that style of music that's very popular right now. Uh, the video itself is pretty freaking hilarious. It it it's it is what it is. It's it, it's people bouncing around with lots of gold watches and and handguns and smoking lots of you know whatever they're smoking. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, that's I believe I, that's vitamins. <laughs> vitamins. They're vitamins. I mean, smoking vitamins. Can I, can I? I'm going to. So I'm going to tell you about this topic. Um, I find it funny. The, uh, the supposed duality of it, right? For instance, you can't say the N-word. No, I can't. 
It's it's not you it's not permitted. I can say nigga all I want. Right. Right? That's right. what it is because I am I am half quote unquote black. Yeah. Right? That's okay. I, I want to let you know that anybody can say the word. It's the context, right? Yeah. It's the context. If uh if you have a close relationship with a friend, like I saw a bunch of uh, 20-somethings. That's why I refer to you people. Uh, the 20-something <laughs> bracket. Uh, they're, at the, <laughs> they're at the grocery store, right? And they're just getting, they're getting chips and what have you. And one of them's 21. We up, like to call them millennials. They're, right, they're picking a beer or whatever. <laughs> and this is when I went shopping this week. It was uh, mm-hmm. last uh, Wednesday, Wednesday night. And it's about 11 because I've adopted the habit that you told me about. Go when there's nothing to worry about yep. traffic-wise. And all I hear this kid go, yo, nigga, man, you want, you want some apples? You want some of that? And my brain didn't register any offense whatsoever. What it did register was that you're a little immature. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A little nonsensical, yeah, yeah. but whatever. Do your thing. What cracked me up, I wasn't the only black person in the store. I'm, and it may have been just, we're in the produce section. It's me, uh, this, this lady, and her, her old, either older son or maybe young, youngest husband. She was hot. I'm not saying mm-hmm. cougar hot, but she's good looking. And they're over there shopping, and they're just going to town, and they're saying it brazen enough to say it right in front of them. Why I said brazen is because I was expecting a moment. Mm-hmm. You know, what is quote-unquote called a nigga moment. <laughs> I was expecting either myself or them to possibly come unglued based on what they're saying and how they're acting. Fact is, no nigga moment need happen. And if you don't know what a nigga moment is, what that is is that there's a point of rage. You don't realize this. If you say that word nigga not in the correct context, yeah, it is in us genetically... To lash out and punch you, or with a hard R. It, it happened, right? A hard R. Just that, that again, you're 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 making the word offensive. Yep. If you say, "Hey, what's up, nigger?" <laughs> you're, you're actually you're actually using that yes. term the way it was said, Candyland. Right, right. right. If uh, I can't remember, Django Unchained. Yeah, that's a good example. Candyland's first words is is that he's at a Mandingo fight. Right, two uh-huh. slaves are beating each other to death. And he says, niggas keep fighting. He didn't say nigga. Niggers keep fighting. Right, right. That's bad. But, because if he would have said it with the with the right contextual inflection, as if these were his homies from around the way. <laughs> Which, clearly, he wouldn't have them fight to the death. Right, but he would have been like, niggas, <laughs> niggas keep fighting. I got to handle some stuff. And he would have walked off, right? It's all in how you use it. Now, a nigga moment, though, is that rage. I got to explain it. It's very real. I'm trying to help your listeners and you yeah. know how to avoid the nigga rage. And what it is... Is that if you're around and don't be afraid to say the word, because that's that's when on a genetic level our ears are picking up the tension right, you have right. about what you're about to say. Right? So we're already on that because we don't know what you're gonna do. And you have like four hundred years or we should be worried. Right. Right? I'm just saying. Oh. Now I wasn't there, so right, right, right. But your genes remember, so that's how they it's <laughs> <laughs> always how it's going. The point is is that the, the What rage... else do my genes remember, Bob? <laughs> they do. What else them. do they remember? So... We were talking about the Jews earlier, were we not? <laughs> so <laughs> So the point yeah, is <laughs> the point is I'm in the store and I'm hearing this go around and there was a, a drop a drop the mic moment. Mm-hmm. He's over by now, the chicken. Now, I want you to know this. I watch this because I love watching Who, people. Well, who's over by the chicken? I'm sorry. These are the 20-somethings. Okay. So there's four and, of them. And, and as a point of uh, reference, what is their genetic... Oh, they're all Caucasian. Okay. So there are some white folk. Yeah. They're all there, but no harm. Okay. They're sitting over there, and they're like, you know, should we get the skinless? Should we get the skin? Someone had to, they had to pick up chicken for their mom. Uh-huh. Someone's mom at the house. So they got beer, chicken they got to pick up, obviously to bring back to the home. Right. Stuff like that, and some other whatever they're getting. And they're by the chicken. I'm watching them, and the black couple that came in or what have you or right. relatives, they're sitting over 
uh, by uh, the chip section they got in Jewel and the guacamole. Yep. Not putting anything in the cart. They're just looking over at them. <laughs> they're it's just, like, it's they're like just observing notice. the white folk in their habitat. Well, we, no, we just heard them <laughs> use, you know, the N-word, uh-huh. right? And it was nigga this, nigga that. And one of their friends noticed that black people are around. So now it became a... Right. Like, so we, but we sensed the tension because he said, hey, man, knock that off. And we heard <laughs> that. And we're like, what? And we look over. And then it's like, maybe they were like me. And they saw, but wait a minute. They're by the chicken. <laughs> What else are they going to say? It brings up all kinds of questions. Right, exactly. Like, what are you going to do now? What what are you going to say about the chicken now? And they just kind of straighten. They actually straighten up and just like, well, just get that right there. They became proper white people full of guilt. Just get that right there and put it in the cart and drive off. And I found that shit the most offensive part of what they did. Absolutely, absolutely. The most offensive. Because they were totally fine with using that word in their own personal group without any sort of racial connotation. And I'll tell you what, like... Um, my brother, I, I may have mentioned before, bit of a wigger, right? Um, <laughs> but a fairly articulate wigger, you know, uh, no, no real concern there, but his friends are like straight up, like they're, they're, they, they are the type of people to use the word nigga in like, you know, they're, it, it, it's natural in their <laughs> conversations. Right. It's, it, it is a natural word that flows from them. Um, so I'm pretty familiar with that type of person, but that shit cracks me up because they're, they're willing to use the word and it has no racial connotation because they're using it with each other there. It, it's part of natural conversation. And, and often how I discuss with you, mm-hmm. do you know why I bring that up? Do you know what the worst word is that is now replaced nigger? No. Fat. Oh yeah. I, well it was, I was going to throw a dartboard either. It was faggot. Or retard, but fat too. Fat, yeah. It's it's worse than those. Right. You can't call somebody fat. You you can't you can't even say it. No. So at the doctor's office to let you know they have classifications for people on this outdated scale. Mm-hmm. And but this, I'm fat, so I can say that. This one, right? Me too. And this, <laughs> and, you know, whatever. So and I suck dick, so I can say faggot too. <laughs> Suck my no, okay. So well, you know you, pick, you, you can't you, you, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your cocks. There you go. You know you love you love who you love. Look, Nate. man, it's Good just you, you no. just some cock comes right at your face, and you're like, I love that cock, and I you know be, I'm just not rapey enough to do that to you. I'm just saying we ain't in prison yet. So that's just but the but back to the point. Um, another quick scenario: being at the doctor's office, this this woman goes in and she's upset because she just had a kid. Right, and she's put on some weight. And automatically in their computer system, if you're over a certain amount in your BMI, they put obese on there. Right. And she, she, she looked at him, but I hear her say, she goes, I'm obese? What are you talking about? I just had a baby. You know, <laughs> right. she put on the 10, 15 pounds, whatever. She looked like she maybe weighed 150. So I'm assuming she was probably used to a 130 right. maybe range. She didn't look bad at all. But she just had a kid and she was bothered. What didn't help, this computer put obese on it, and they printed it out for her, the notes of the visit, uh-huh. and they handed it to her. And she got on it, and the poor secretary's like, ma'am, ma'am you can't say fat. You can't say fat here. <laughs> if the term is obese, the obese... I was like, let me explain. I'd rather be called fat than obese. Look, fat is fun. Right. Like, you say fat... Like Fat's fat, jolly. Look, boo-doo-doo, play Fat Albert. Fat <laughs> Albert's fine. Fat Albert ain't nothing little, wrong with little fat, A little fat on you. Right, the only thing wrong with Fat Albert was Bill Cosby. We didn't know that till now. Right, right. Okay, that, that's all I'm saying. That's, you know, what are you going to do? A little rapey Bill Cosby ruined a generation of shit. <laughs> 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 fucking Cosby family, the fucking Fat Albert gang. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? A little... 
<laughs> That's exactly how you run. It sounds fat. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and I'm going to sing a song for you. <laughs> and we're going to show you a thing or two. Hey, come on. Like, like Fat Albert made fat fun. That's all I'm saying. It was okay. Okay, everybody has their friend right. that she would quote unquote call fat. You never pointed out. No. It never bothered no. you. He never harmed nothing. She never harmed nothing. But all of a sudden, here's this little 140 something, you know, pound lady, and she's like, you can't refer to yourself as fat. Motherfucker, your sheet called me obese. Right. And the woman goes, well, at least it didn't say morbidly obese. <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, you fucking kidding me? Uh, it's, it's weird how, like, it used to be called shell shock, and it turned into <laughs> post-traumatic stress disorder, right? <laughs> but it used to be called obese, and it's still fucking called obese. <laughs> like, it sounds like some... And, and if, you're, if you're more than normal obese, you're morbidly obese. That's like... That's like that's like some old school, like eighteen hundred shit to me. Like obese <laughs> sounds dangerously close to obese. Obese. It sounds like an insult you would say to yeah. an old lady, right? Hey, you an obese, right? You know, like no. I think, like, look, me personally, I'm I'm a bit of a fat fuck. You know, I've I've let myself go. I have no problem with that. I'm comfortable with who the fuck I am. Hell yeah. Unless you call me obese. What the fuck? Just call me fat. Right. Just, keep just it call me. Wrong. Just be like, man, you, you kind of got a little fat, didn't you? And I could be like, yeah, but I'm jolly and jovial and I'm fun to be around because I'm a little fat, <laughs> you know? But if you're like, ugh, you're obese, ugh. And then, and, and, and like the definitions of that shit, I don't know. Like, I don't believe in fucking fat shaming because at the end of the day, you can only be shamed by shit you find shameful. Right. If you, if, if you as a person, Walk up to me and go, Ew, you're fat and you probably stink. Oh, then get the fuck away from me. <laughs> like, I, I'm not shamed by that, that shit. Is, is that everybody, I think it's hygiene. At yeah. the core of it, it's hygiene that people are worried about. Um, you know, I heard it said that, you Sorry, know. Sorry, I keep knocking the mic. The concept of patchouli, it bothers some people. Mm-hmm. Nothing is, some people generally don't like the smell. Yeah, I find it unappealing. I'm fine with the smell. It doesn't bother me at all. In fact, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, do I love it? I don't really love anything right. scent that I want to have around me all the time, but occasionally, cool, patchouli's cool. However, it's been a staple for like. Yep. Dirty hippie people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right? It's been like the hobo. It's a cover-up smell. Yeah, right. The hobo. It's, it's used to cover up the smell of bo. And so, like you know, but that's if you're going to put a label to it, and you know, and again, scent is a strong smell, right? right. And it assigns memory and all that. We heard that on Joe Rogan, right? He right. mentioned that very fact. Why that stuck with me and struck a chord is because when people hear the term fat, they immediately draw to this slovenly, hot dog necked triple dirt, you know, nasty, yep. never does nothing with himself type person. That's, that's, not, that's no. nine times out of ten never the case No, with who you're dealing with. And and why I bring this up only because one, it was funny. Right. It was funny as hell to me. Uh, the other fact is, is that there are a lot of people out there who I think go and get unnecessary things done to their body or put themselves through unnecessary tortures. Yeah, because they have and, an expectation. And like number one is women. I couldn't begin to describe to you from living with women, my sister in particular, Went through outrageous shit just to attract someone believing they had to fit in this stereotype yep. to get this male to like them. And, and like we brought up, maybe it was fortuitous I mentioned the pandas. Remember the panda story, folks. They've proven the, pan- the, the art of sex isn't an art. You get a woman who's in the mood, <laughs> right. right? And she's happy because she's getting what she wants or needs are met. 
and you get a man who notices she's happy and he's attractive, he's going to try some silly shit to get with her. Right. And either she says yes because there's a slight attraction and she's in a good mood. Yeah, let's have some fun together. Or she's going to say, no, you're not my type. Or she's not in a mood. Right. That's it. That's the secret. I've ruined it for everybody. Yep. That's all there is to it. And I've never seen anybody being fat or, or we'll just say, oh, he's ugly or whatever. No. Because the terms you want to mean is, I'm not attracted to you. Right. That's it. it. For whatever it, reason, I don't find you appealing. Right. Absolutely. There, there, there is definitely more to attraction than your physical appearance. And I, I'm living proof. Um, you know, not only am I the president, but I'm also a By client. By the way, unless you're Haley Wright, who lives in Mountain Home, Arkansas, uh, that I will state. <laughs> but it, look, you can be, uh, you know, not a physically fit person. You can be a person who's overweight and you can be confident in who you are. And people are attracted to confidence yeah, naturally. Of course. That's that's as simple as that. Speaking from experience, intimidated even they, they don't know how to approach a person. They're, and and yeah, and there there are people that that go and they tirelessly labor in the gym and they do it for all the wrong fucking reasons. There is nothing wrong with being physically fit because you want to be healthy. There is nothing wrong with not wanting to be lazy. But at the same time, there are people who do not look the way you want them to look. And it has nothing to do with their laziness. It has nothing to do with their unwillingness to get healthy. There are people that just are bigger, fatter, more overweight than what your traditional concept of of proper weight is. And and that, thank you. That's that and that's note. that. Don't but, don't do it because you want to get laid, fellas. But now I finally had that point brought up so I can mention this. How come there are no fat horror films? How does a horror film get fat? You mean like fat horror, fat like monsters? Horror films. How come there can't be a horror film where the fat man is actually the villain? I don't know, or man. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like Leatherface was kind of fat. Yeah, you know, he was big. Yeah. Do but, you know I why mean, nobody will call him fat? You chop your ass up with a chainsaw. Right. That's why. They never <laughs> right, refer to him. Right, right. Oh, and also because he was retarded. <laughs> That's why. Leatherface, because all he worked in a meat factory plant because he had some horrible accent. He's a little dumb. That's why. That's the but, story. You of know, he wore a he wore a fa- you know. But look how successful that retard was. He was able to well, chase I mean, everybody. Was he? Did he ever talk in the first one? What's it? Well, yeah, he didn't talk because I don't think he could. It's possible. The chainsaw I don't know. You know, I, unfortunately, I never got really deep into poor old Leatherface's. Uh, uh, plights. No, just... b- bottom line, they mentioned they go through even the, in the remake that uh, Lee, Har- Lee Harvey Oswald, ooh, R. Lee Ermy, they had him in it, and he played the sheriff that wasn't the sheriff, who's his older right, brother. Right. And he described how he's slow. He's always been slow, and that his face is jacked, like he was, he was a birth defect or what have you. Right. And he really doesn't talk. And I think part of that's the defect. And then there's even a scene where he kind of his face is revealed, and and a girl feels sympathetic. He, I think he chainsaws her anyway. Or lets her go. I forget that. It's been a while. I don't know. But the point is, is that there's not been any true, like, let's take American Psycho I feel like I feel like there there should be. And there I, should be. I feel like there's got to be somewhere. And not, and don't pull this bullshit on me. I better not see the idea of the fat film is the fat goth kid. The, the fat kid who you know, hang out with the goth kids because everybody hated him who decides to go back to school and shoot everybody. Yeah, that's not a horror film. No, that's, it's not. No. That's stereotypical bullshit. Let's... I'm talking dyed in a wool. Why, why couldn't you have a cannibalistic fat serial killer type dude? It uh, would make more sense. Yeah. No, it would, uh, you it know. It would help the police out. <laughs> Think about it. Well, who ate 15 people? I don't know. Could it be the 450 pound dude coming up the steps at odd hours and of the night? He's just like, I didn't meet anybody. 
What are you talking about? I'm a five-star chef. I didn't eat anybody. Why do you keep blaming me for that stuff? I I didn't eat anybody. And that's funny that you can even make a voice that sounds fat. Yeah. That, like, you can... uh, It's it's silly to me. (laughs) Right. He he definitely got a little this. Look, to to describe a fit, uh, what we call a fat person? Sounds like he's sweating. Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah. No, Bam Bam Bigelow was a fat fuck. To throw throw him up in fame, though. But holy shit. No. Who's the UFC champion fighter? Uh, Shane something or other. Had the gut? Yeah. That was beating the shit out of people. Well, and fucking Roy Nelson. like Roy Nelson's what I'm referring to, not yeah. Shane, but it was Roy Nelson. Yeah. That's uh, look who... at him. Big country. They don't call him that for uh, no reason. And granted, he hasn't been doing great, but he's still a professional fighter and not really looking that great. Right. And it's like, but he didn't Not care. a muscle head. Even no. him. He's like, I got a gut. Deal with right. it. I'm still going to beat your ass. Right. And I'm in the business of beating your ass. And guess what? I'm fat right. when I do it. Right. And, and and the argument could be made that, you know, oh, if you took the time to do the blah, 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 you could be better. And the, But whatever. That's his choice. We don't we don't want you to drop that. Nah, you for some reason think I have to fit right. the same paradigm and you torture th- yourself that's, with. That's, that's my opinion, too, because, um, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, well, you know, you're going to die soon. Guess what? You don't have any fucking control over that shit any more than anybody else does. You look at fucking Jim Fix. Like, like you have people who are athletes. You have people that are hit by fucking buses. Like, don't, yep. it's not. And guess what? I don't need your fucking sympathy. I didn't ask for it. I'm not craving it. Keep it to yourself. If you're afraid I'm going to die early, wh- what are your fucking morbid problems? Look, all I'm saying is that uh, cancer doesn't care. No, it doesn't. And neither do heart attacks or strokes. No. They're going to happen because they happen. No. Plenty of fit people that never smoked, that exercised every day of their life. It? Can you worsen yeah, it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, sure. You, you can control that a little bit. Uh, but if you don't, um, they can't explain why people... Well, what does that guy lived on? He was 105. He lived every day on Thunderbird like wine. Thunderbird and, and fatback? Like, uh, was it a bread fried and fatback? Yeah. He, 105. Yeah. They, they're really... It's, it's, this life is not an exact science. And like I said, if you, if you want, I have nothing against, don't, don't interpret it as I'm saying, oh, fucking gym folk. Fuck that. No, that's, I love the gym. That, that's, you know, you've watched me baffle people. Yep. Go a half mile swim every day. Right. Yep. And then I lift weights for two hours. That's, that was my routine before, you know, yep. on the mend. And that's what I did. And I lost uh, what is it? 135 pounds with it. You, you are it, physically more than two of me and in, in size and in weight. Right. And you can run faster than me. This is this is in, in health when you weren't injured. In health, you could run farther than me, run longer than me, lift more than me. Like that's it's there's a misconception. Just because you're a big person doesn't mean you're 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 gonna fucking die tomorrow. Right. And what what I'm bringing up though is that there's all these stereotypes that we have that we don't have more fun with. Yeah. For instance, fat. We know the negative. Let's get to the positive. Put them in media. Put them in more things. Like the little the girl I feel sorry for is that actress that played Precious, and uh-huh, I don't feel yeah. sorry for her sympathy. She's a very successful actress. She was also in uh, American uh, Horror Story. Is that what it is? That TV show, that series. I think that's the show. Yeah, yeah. American I've Horror Story. I believe it, it is. Where it was like season four, where they did the witch theme, and um, what was awesome about it is that she played an amazing character. Like she proved, like she is pioneered as far as I'm concerned, like a classic actress because. She didn't give a damn right. what you thought about her. This was her and her confidence and her skill. That's what counted. But I even feel that when they interviewed her, everybody just wanted to know, 
You know, how's it feel being fat and blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's the focus. And now you don't hear nothing about her. And right. my fear is that somebody convinced her to go on some crazy diet to get to Hollywood fit like they did to... Uh, she's She's got two things that um, are working against her that I've heard about. I'm not going to reference anything, but um, they're out there. You can read the stories that um, there's, a, there's an issue with both black actresses and heavyset actresses, especially ones that win big awards. Uh, I'm pretty sure she won an Oscar or she was nominated. Yeah. Um, but there, there's, there seems to be like, you get to this point, you're a breakout star. Now you're pigeonholed, which means nobody fucking calls you. So it's like the worst thing for you to, to have happen in your career is to be successful, to be African-American and to be heavyset. Like those are three things when combined, you're fucked. And it's happened to a bunch of different actresses. And like I said, I'm not going to get deep into details about it, right. but Look online. There's plenty of stories about this shit happening. And, you know, it's... I guess Oprah snuck in, huh? Oprah snuck in way before. Well, uh, you know, <laughs> Oprah Oprah made her own way, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and Oprah didn't start heavy she, set or, you know, she didn't necessarily... She She's different. Right. You have a TV show. Your TV show is popular and your ratings are good. Your TV show is basically going to stay on the air. Money's money, right? I, until until someone in the studio comes around and decides, oh, we're going to fuck with this or move this around. That's when you can en- encounter some serious issues. But the benefit that she's had is her television show stayed on the air and nobody fucked with it really. But the problem with that is you could be on a successful television show and you could be on that show for eight, ten years, and that show ends and no one's calling you. Even though you had all that major success, even though, you know, you're, everybody knows you, you're popular, blah, blah, blah. Well, now it's like Seinfeld. Everybody knows Jerry Seinfeld from Seinfeld. Right. No one's going to want to take Seinfeld and put him in a different show because they're going to see Seinfeld as Seinfeld. Right. You know, but he had the fucking, the, the great, uh, you know, luck or fortuitousness of making a fuck ton of money doing that show. You know, they were on long enough that they got syndicated and he made a fuck ton of money. So he doesn't need anybody to call him. So he's at that point where he can just go, I'll make my own show. I'll do my own thing on the internet. You know, but 20 years ago, that wouldn't have been possible necessarily. Right. You know, he would have been pigeonholed. That's that's like, um, what's that? Everybody loves Raymond. Like, what's that guy's name? Raymond. Raymond something. Yeah. When's the last time you saw him on anything? Haven't, right. Right. Nobody's calling him to do other shows. You know, that's, that's the fuck about doing television. It's that if you're on it, it's like soap opera stars. Like it's very rare. You find a soap opera star on a different sort of piece of media, whether it's a traditional television show, a movie, and these people could do that for 10, 15, 20 years. Right. It's just, that's, that's just the way Hollywood's a fucked up place. But I'm saying, so I want to see, um, a serial killer. Uh-huh. I want to see, and, and, and I want I want it done a slasher flick, I guess. And I want to see it done in the style of like American Psycho, Day in yeah. the Life. But it doesn't. This person, to me, for you to be a serial killer requires a lot of self confidence. You got to know what you fit in to do. Like that's that's just what's been proven, right? Have right. a method to you, whatever. Don't focus on the fact they big. Focus on the dementia, the right. you know what it is that got you know what they're doing, and and roll with it and go from there and just see that. I think that could be very successful and very unique. Yeah, but the way the way that it's focused on is like uh, if it's a fat guy that's a serial killer, like he's disgusting and and he's sweaty, and they use that to create like the environment of fatness. But take it you know away. What I mean, right? Exactly. That's what take I'm saying. I'm agreeing away. with you. And make and make that happen. And I think that could be very good. There's no reason why an action star couldn't be a big guy. Like that's another thing. 
Um, people who believe that you have to be uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger jumping around swinging from trees, you know, whatever is light as Tom Cruise. Um, what is wrong with a realistic retired cop? You know? Right. It's got a gut to him. It's a bit big, but it's, it's not the end-all be-all. And he's walking around handling his business. Like, you know, I'm, he could be in Texas even, where he drives his pickup and gets out. Yeah. I'll take care of it. Goes in and whatever. That's interesting to me, because not only are you pulling on heartstrings where the vast majority of your audience... Right. Right. Can identify with that guy. But it's look how it it's, it's marketing. But it's a positive role model. Right. It doesn't slow him down in his life. Right. People would be more active. It would be less of live insular and, and in fear that someone might go, hey, you're bigger than me. You know, whatever. Just correct your well, shit. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll use this as an example. One of my favorite shows and a show that we haven't talked about. And it's kind of like, um, you know, one of those things that I like, but I, you know, I'm not really readily to admit it. Like a, you know, a, uh, whatever, but uh, I'm a big fan of Supernatural. Do you think that? Do you think that, that Supernatural sure. would be as popular if Sam and Dean were a little dumpy and kind of fat? Unfortunately, the WB right doesn't allow such imagery. Right, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, like there's there's a they sell a, a body image on television, and you know if you don't fit into that image, then you're not a product they're willing to sell. So. Anyways, dude, we're we're like right about three hours, and we're doing snapping and hand signals. So I think it's a as good a time as any a to snapping and hand signals. Because Adam was leaving, he didn't want to interrupt. So bye, yeah, Adam. I take can it see easy, you now, Adam. Man. Have a good day. <laughs> that's, it's called breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, it's I've, what that is. I've defied expectations. Um, so so to so to recap, um, there's twelve days in Sodom is a film that's evolved past Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> um, we can also bring up the fact that uh, Martyr is another film that's out there. Uh-huh. If you're interested in a sort of Torture porn, but not quite as right. Tra- it's more traumatizing. Can, can suggest some some movies. Um, we we have uh, what do we have here? We we've got a couple of different. Uh, we've got the can exploitation or can exploitation. We've got Mondo films. I am fucking shit up here. I am sorry. See, this is this is what happens with the when you're when you're recording something live. <laughs> you fuck yourself up. Talk too close to the mic. And jack your mic up. So no, I was just I was just pointing out that those are some films. I was actually bringing up in humor, because with me, I'm always like, I've trained myself that when we start with a point, right, or or even when I start with a point in the conversation, I'm one to wax poetic. Mm-hmm. I enjoy talking a conversation. Yeah, it can go long. So to always bring myself back to the point because I get lost in thought. Right. So I was just making it to where this started on horror. <clears throat> it started on exploitation. Started on a Halloween theme, and we'll bring it back to a Halloween theme. Yeah. Throughout. Uh, I just want to suggest a couple of films that are probably worth seeing um, if you're into exploitation, since it's where we did start, and we should probably finish there, like you said. Uh, Cannibal Holocaust, if you're into shocking, awful fucking movies. Um, if you're interested in uh, Mondo films, like I was saying, Mondo Kane is a good one. Shocking Asia, Faces of, Faces of Death. Uh, monster movies, some classics are like uh, Godzilla. i got to preface that a little bit real uh-huh. quick. Faces of Death? Has a lot of controversy around yeah, it. They're they're awful, and, and it's, it's. I I, I want to say I want to I want to make this disclaimer. I should have from the start. I'm not saying that these are good movies. I'm saying that these are classics in their subgenre. Here at Nerd Words, often we will bring up films <laughs> that are cult based, right. meaning that it's a certain niche of people like a certain niche thing. And this is definitely a podcast where we're mentioning those yeah. type of things. And if you like those films, we would love to have you on the show to talk about them. Yeah. Because uh, that would be uh, of interest beyond us two sick fucks. 
So <laughs> Brandon Wood is the third. So we'll just keep that there. Um, so monster movies, uh, the original Piranha is a great one. Cujo, um, that's a classic. Jaws, Cujo and Jaws are great. Yep, those are those are classic films. Um, revenge films, like I Spit on Your Grave, that's a great one. Be careful, is rape themed. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's definitely uh, th- that's a whole subgenre in and of itself, rape and revenge films. Um, not for the faint of heart, but also you know that satisfying revenge at the end. Uh, your slasher films, of course, we've done to death. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, um, Black Christmas is a good one. The Driller Killer, Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, Black, Ma- Black Christmas is good. That's when Darnell gets out of prison and gets home, right? <laughs> Catches his wife cheating on him. Sleepaway Camp. No, it's not. Okay, <laughs> it's I'm not. Right. Uh, then you know you have your splatter films, and these are all these are for your Halloween. Here's your Halloween playlist. Take the movies I've already said. Um, get some splatter films in there. Uh, 2000 Maniacs, uh, The Wizard of Gore, Night of the Living Dead, uh, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, etc., etc., The Evil Dead series, um, Brain Dead. Uh, what is the name of that movie? Um, I'm not going off a list here. Um, Street Trash. Uh, have you ever seen Street Trash? <laughs> Street Trash is a great flick to see uh, on, a, on a late October night. Um, obviously the evil dead series, Peter Jackson's bad taste, brain dead, uh, which is also known as dead alive. Make a, make a, make a night of it. Um, some of these you can find on Netflix. Some of them you can't, some of them you'll have to look in, uh, you do, do a little exploration. You could probably find them on Amazon. Most of these movies, if they're on DVD, you could probably find them on Amazon for five or six bucks. And remember, no issue. these are exploitive choices. Yeah. These are, these are exploitation, yeah. but great for a Halloween full of disgusting, shocking, gory nastiness. So, Nate, um, I, I was thinking, yeah. it's, uh, can we obviously post that on the preview? Yeah. Like, I know what's next, yeah. I think that'd be easier. That's yeah. just, duh. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll post a list of, um, you know, a selection of films um, that uh, we find to be uh, worthwhile for your Halloween, for your October coming up to Halloween. And um, that's going to be about it, I think. Until probably Monday, we'll have the next one, and that'll be on something we decided at that, yeah, <laughs> at that time too. And uh, yeah, uh, the old standards. Um, share this podcast. Uh, you can view it at the website utilitymuffinlabs.com. You can hit me up on Twitter at Team Epic Win or Utility Muffin Labs. They're basically the same thing. And you can email me at utilitymuffinlabs at gmail.com. Basically, it's all going to be Utility Muffin Labs. The Facebook, you can like and uh, share there you're going to look up utility muffin research kitchen and that's it until next uh, next podcast uh keep it real and keep it nubile halloween 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 fucking pin <laughs> and to play you out this is Bill Cosby coming at you with music and fun. Careful, you may Thanks, Bill. Fun and don't forget <laughs> the date race truck. Thanks, Bill. We appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs>